It's like I don't know. Do, do you know who Thierry Henry is? I heard the player. Soccer, soccer player. player. Yeah, he played, played for name. Arsenal. Played for Barcelona. But I heard him talk about this recently. He was talking about his time at uh, I think it, I think it was when he was at Arsenal, and there was a guy who was, was ahead of him on the, on the depth chart to play striker, and and his mentality became yes, I, I want to improve us as a team. I want to win as a team. But his mentality, being it was kind of the, the same, I think mentality that we all had where oh you can do that well i'm going to show you i can do that better than you doesn't matter what it is whether it's whether it's this this skill or whatever he said it became it became you're going to wear your jersey i'm going to wear my jersey better than you mm-hmm. you're going to wear your socks i'm going to wear my socks better than you you're going to walk i'm going to walk better than you What is going on, guys? Dr. Jared Nelson in this house, the podcast, The Better Man, where you can never be perfect, but you can always be better. Today, we have a three special guest today. Awesome episode. Looking forward to this. We got Wes Beck. What's going on, dude? How's it going? We got Kevin Thrasher. What's going on? Back again, man. Now, I'll say this. Wes was in episode 14, if you want to reference and check that out. Kevin was in episode 11. Had a great time with both. You'll see their intro and all that. But we got another guest on the pod, Mark Music. What's oh, going yes. on, dude? It's going. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to start off, Mark, with this. You can review the other episodes if you want to see uh, those in their entirety from the other guys. But I'll start off uh, this for you, Mark. Yep. You're in the gym. You're chilling. And somebody sees you, and they're like, dude, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? What would you say to them, dude? Oh, gosh. Could be a multitude of places. Uh, see, I, my name's Mark Music. I uh, went to went to Southside High School and here in Gadsden uh, on drumline with these two under this man's leadership over here. Uh, then was at the University of Outwell, Shelton State Community College in Tuscaloosa for a few years, spent several years in Tuscaloosa, finally got my degree from the University of Alabama. Um, and then now I'm in Birmingham. I've worked uh, for a tech startup there for a few years, working now for a company that um works in the cell phone tower telecommunication business uh so big money uh, n- n- not in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> getting there uh but uh but yeah it's uh you know i i've know a lot of people in a lot of places i feel like because i've got gadsden i've got tuscaloosa i've got birmingham and especially going to you know, being in tuscaloosa a school the size of alabama you meet people from all over the country oh yeah um yeah so you know always feel like i know somebody generally wherever i go or have some kind of connection uh so that's awesome dude so we're all from the uh gaston area grew up southside high school you went to southside high school too right kevin uh, no i did not Blup, I right yeah. okay okay but was our instructor at southside high drumline history stories and all that so i think we're gonna go into uh just go ahead and dive into the drumline thing uh origins of the drumline man so let's start at the bottom i'll start with you guys y'all in sixth grade started drumline i was in fifth grade when you were in sixth grade so tell me about drumline starting up Wes, you already kind of shared a little bit mark what was your drumline story like dude so for me um there's actually pictures of me that my grandmother took sitting in her in her kitchen floor i've got a wooden spoon in each hand beating on pots and pans and tupperware and whatever else they'd put in front of me um, they used to take me to, to high school games in the area here in, in Gadsden when I was younger and <clears throat> excuse me, I, I would always be zoned in on the drum line. Uh, and so I think it was kind of one of those things before I even had the idea, it was something that I wanted to do and something that I was interested in. And, uh, then started at 
at Rainbow Middle, and um, I think Wes went over this in his episode where you kind of try out for all the different instruments. And I scored really high on all the brass, um, but I just, I just didn't want to do that. Wasn't what I wanted to do. I'd had this dream since I was, you know, an infant, basically, of, mm-hmm. of being on the drum line and uh, had worked as a runner. Um, and so I'd kind of been around Kevin. I had an older sister that was in the band. So I was tertiarily kind of around Southside's drumline and, uh, you know, kind of kind of went round and round with Mr. Murphy a little bit when it came time to assign instruments because he really wanted me to be, uh, you know, trombone, trumpet, something brass. And I, I wasn't having it. Mm-hmm. Uh, had to be in percussion. Um, then did, you know, middle school, March, my eighth grade year was on bass, my eighth grade year, and then did four years on snare when I got into high school. Mm-hmm. Um you know, yeah, for was, those that don't know, Mr. Murphy was our band instructor. Yeah, yeah. Know, he was the like first that. first band director um, <laughs> right. until when, he when, kind of placed everybody in their instruments. Askew came in our junior year, uh, seven. Yeah, yeah, eleventh yeah. grade. Yeah. So, uh, so Mr. Murphy had been our our band director up till then, and he left to go to go to administration. He was going to be an assistant principal. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Haskew came in and took over, which actually it worked out really well because he had been one of our one of our student teachers under Mr. Murphy. We already had that relationship with yeah. him, and um, which was, I think, invaluable for us and him. We weren't the easiest group to uh, to deal with or to control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think having that existing relationship probably made his job. A lot easier. Yeah, for sure. So I want to start with this, Kevin. I want to ask you this. Seeing us start to come up, right? So eighth grade, uh, these guys were all in drumline, kind of figuring things out in middle school. You see us coming up. Uh, eighth grade, you see these guys coming in. What's on your mind at that point? Well, Mark is bringing up things that I have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the more y'all talk about this stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um you know, looking back, it's y'all came in, and a lot of times you're in my head. I was like, I hope I'm going to be able to keep these guys because youngins, you don't know what they're going to do. You you've got people that will come in and they'll play well and do things well, and then they just they just fizzle out. They lose interest yep. and they go. But perfume and gasoline. Yeah, you know, and then, and I, you guys were always close together, so uh, as long as y'all were close, I knew it was going to build, but um. That first year, y'all were on snare. The freshman I know, year. Yeah, y'all were on nah, snare. We I think yeah, you were bottom that year. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you were in yeah. eighth grade? That's right. That's right, yeah. Um, When I had that set up, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be able to build something here. And so, um, you know, I had gone through several years where it was a, a rebuilding almost every year. And so the the – you know, good lines. They did what they were supposed to execute well, but um, I knew with you guys, um, by the time y'all were seniors, junior respectively, it was I was going to be able to have something uh, very special, and I just kept building each year to try to push the envelope. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I know it was a big deal uh, getting in there and starting up and everything. So I wrote down the brotherhood. So we are back here in town all together. You know, this, and I, I said something, Mark, I haven't seen you in like 13 years. Yeah, yeah almost 15 We come yeah. back in and start talking like we never stopped talking right, and all that. Right, right. Uh, Wes, I'll ask you this. What is the what is the brotherhood, the brotherhood of the drumline? What does it mean to you? Man, that's, I mean, when I look at it, and I we did talk about this a little bit, it's like time is not, it it doesn't matter. With, with that group, with that connection, even, mm-hmm. even people that, you know, we've, we've name dropped a lot of people from 08 or 09 because that was, 
the peak, but like even guys that, you know, that, that you had the pleasure of leading after we left, like Hayden or Jake or people like that, like they reach out today. You know what I mean? We've got jokes, we've got laughter, we've got all these different things. Oh yeah. I do want to speak to, at least with, with Mark here, because you know, he, he talked about upstart with him. His and, and mine go all the way back to baseball. You yeah. Know, you remember playing for the Rangers? Play for the Rangers, Coach Roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, over there practicing over at Pioneer Campground. Correct. We were playing, so, what, fourth grade? I was six, fourth, fifth or sixth. That was one of my last years that I played. So yeah. we knew each other coming into it. Now, I can, and like Kevin just alluded to, like I forgot about a lot of that, but I do remember him being a runner, especially in middle school. Yeah, I forgot about you being things. a runner. Yeah, me and Hunter. Yeah, he and I were, were pretty close at that point, really established from baseball. And so mm-hmm. I, he was a little more set drumline than I was. And so yeah. I think for Start me, it was like, well, and, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, there was, a, there was a, an additional layer for me because I had known Hunter since kindergarten i think we'd gone to year brown together and then transferred over to rainbow middle and and hunter also had an older sibling who was already part of the band at south side right, yeah and hunter wanted to to play tenors from the time at south side from the time we were in elementary school and i wanted to play snare at south side from the time we were in elementary school and hunter and i had grown up you know going to school together playing baseball together i think hunter may have played soccer with me as well uh Hunter, if I if you don't like soccer, and yeah, I just, I just want to say shout out to Hunter Harry and Cody. Man, I shout out to Hunter, man. Big, big, big shout out to those guys and Dylan. Um, don't forget and Dylan. Dylan and Dylan. See you show Come, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you know, me and Hunter had that that drive to push each other already in drumming from the time we were in elementary school. So I think is you know we there was no chance you were losing Hunter either one. Yeah, there mm-hmm. there was nobody that evolved more physically and mentally more than Hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when he was a kid, I, you know, it's I gave true. him lessons yeah. when he was small. Yeah. And I mean, he was just a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he came into drumline, Hunter, love you, you know, that, but I thought, oh, this kid's got, he's, he's got a lot he's got to learn on here. And the development uh, by the time he was a junior and senior, uh, the toughness. His confidence, too. Really came out. Mm-hmm. I know mean, it was, it was. Y'all were all that way, but Hunter really just from where he was, he really stepped up his senior year. When yeah. you when you want something bad enough, yeah, that hard work is better than talent. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. He wanted it more than most people, well, yeah, you, and he got it. And he took. You're it. talking no. about the brotherhood. Yeah. The, the I think the reason we feel all that is because of how hard we worked for it. You know, I, I was uh, actually I was home for Christmas, was going through and cleaning out some old stuff in my high school bedroom. And found pictures of us on drumline together, and you know, all especially the professional pictures they take at the beginning of every season. You know, we we didn't smile; smiling wasn't allowed. Yeah. We 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 would, we would threaten underclassmen if they smiled in the picture. Yeah, and I, I told <laughs> somebody true. about that, and they were like, they were like, "Well, that's mean." And I was like, "Yeah, we were mean. We 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 weren't nice. We we that's had a little fault. bit. Of, we had a little bit of an edge yeah, to it. It was that brotherly thing, like you and I talked yeah, about. Too. But, we wanted yeah, to but, succeed. You right, just can do we, it the way we that wanted, we're used to. We wanted to, to succeed, yeah. and we knew how hard we had worked, um, to to get there. And you know, they always talk. It was at ten thousand hours, right? Malcolm Gladwell, yeah, mastery. Yeah, that was our ten thousand hours. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Even to this day, I don't know that I have ever been as confident in anything as I was being part of that drumline because I knew how hard we had worked and we knew we were good and we may have taken that a little overboard from time to time, but, but, but we, <laughs> ah, no, 
we had some blame there too, but but it's because we had worked that hard, you know. But I think it's good to hours. be on that spectrum, or having too much intensity and be able to hold yes. it, pull it back, yeah, than not have enough and have to go and get that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah. feel like that's more of a a thing, and I, and we definitely had it uh had it throughout. I would say for sure, the difference in being peaceful and harmless. Mm. You know what I mean? I've seen that a lot, like especially with samurai and things like that. Like if you're peaceful, it means you're capable of doing great things or doing dangerous things or even physical things, uh, you're choosing to be peaceful. So mm-hmm. once you master that intensity, it's like, okay, how do I refine that into something I can control versus somebody who can't possess that and is essentially harmless and peaceful being harmless is you're not capable of those things. So, yeah. And sometimes sure. that could manifest with us, you know, snapping at each other about stuff like brothers do but sure. it was always out of a place of one i think wanting to hold each other accountable to be as good as we possibly could well, we knew that goal right we knew where we wanted to be and we knew okay this is where this is coming from it might hurt your feelings whatever but, but and, like, and okay. after you separate from it for a few minutes he didn't mean anything by that right well you know this is a bit of a case study in uh the responsibility of power mm-hmm. um the back then you know it's like what you talked about and you may touch on this a little bit when y'all went down to Auburn and showed them what we were playing and told them at what speed we were playing it. You had Auburn drumline guys essentially saying, are you serious? Yeah. That y'all yeah. are doing that's this? True, true story. So Hunter, Hunter will remember this and he's not here. He keeps coming up, but um, <laughs> he's the one that carried it. So he had a copy of um, he and I went down for, uh, I think we were the only two drumline cause everybody mm-hmm. else is Alabama guys, I think. But, um, we went down, we had a buddy that was at Gasset City at the time, uh, that was on their line as, Carter. as yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he had come to some of our practices and drummed with us and very talented guy. And, uh, he was on the line as a ninth grader snare at Auburn. Uh, and so that's who we gravitated towards once we got around the band. Cause he's the only one we really knew. So he starts showing it. And of course he's drumming it on his chest, you know, uh, isn't it, he could have handled it. He starts showing it to other people that are upperclassmen and they're like, wait what like y'all the high school line plays this oh yeah yeah high school line plays okay we never got to show it to them but then you get you flash forward and then that fall jsu stopping as they're getting off the bus at mid-south like wait that's a high school line right yeah. There? yeah it is yeah but the so, point you know the point entire band stop and watch the, the, but the, the point i'm trying to make is is that i was understanding at what level we were and what we were pulling off y'all were excited about what was happening mm-hmm. but I knew that I I did just as much trying to pull the reins back as right. I was trying to make sure we were balanced. Yeah, we didn't playing. have the relativity to understand what was you know, in but, the moment. And, and I don't know if you remember this when, in camp when we first got with the horns. I remember I, y'all were outside working on stuff, and we were fixing to do full ensemble with the horns. And uh, I came out there, and I and when I went and looked at the horns, I thought, oh, they're go- they're going to blitz these kids. They're going to scare them. They're not going to know what to do because I'd seen it so many times. I thought they're going to come in. They've all been working out. They're big. They, they're, they're, they're going to project everything that they're playing. They're yeah. not going to be intimidated by anybody in that room. Yeah. Yeah. They're barely intimidated by me anymore. You know, I thought <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out how to rein this in. And the second one was, and we won't get into the details of this, but sure. Do you remember when, uh, there was some, school we played and we had just learned Aries. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. And that, right. that, that, that poor little drum line had I think I know nothing. where this is going. And it was a misunderstanding and somebody said something and it, it, it we thought I we do. thought we I thought we had been slighted. 
and we didn't take that well. Uh, yeah, that, that's my <laughs> that's my point, you know. And I I had to. That's what I'm talking about. I had to pull the reins back. But you know, it it really is a case study into me into when you are as good as you are at what you do. What is that for now? Right. And that's something that I learned with y'all. Okay, I was able to develop this this level. What is it for? What do you do with it? You don't want to come off arrogant. Right. You want to be confident. But what is it that you're doing with it? You know, you create this brotherhood, and you know you had this, this phenomenal thing. But what is it? How is it making someone else feel? Right. What, what is it you're projecting to the crowd, to the observer? So that's, that's something I had to learn mm-hmm. after it was over. Mm-hmm. is if I ever have something like this again, how do I get that across of what we have now? What do we want to make the observer feel? Do we necessarily want intimidation, or do we want them to go, oh, my Lord, did you see what they just pulled off? And, and, and relish that, that we had the opportunity to see this. And so it, it becomes reciprocating between the performer and the observer if you will. So, yeah. and I, I have a vague memory of this and Wes, you may just be able to tell me, yeah, you dreamed that that's not real. Uh, but I seem to remember going into our senior year. I think it was Mr. Murphy, even though he wasn't the, the, the director anymore, having to have a talk with us specifically, Jared, I think you may have been part of it as well about, um, you need to, to bring it down because you're scaring the, the younger kids. <laughs> And, uh, because it was just an intensity that we had when it was time to practice or perform. Mm -hmm. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because I actually have figured out since college that, uh, I developed a nervous tick because of drumline. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see if, if anybody else does this. So, you know, I would get, I'd played sports. Wes touched on this on his episode, played sports growing up. So you kind of get that same mentality of like, it's game time. It's Mm -hmm. go time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, late in the season, it will be cold. We're not wearing gloves. So you got to keep your, your hands warm. What you don't want to do is breathe into them because then you're putting moisture on your palms and it's going to get more cold. So what we would do is we would rub our hands together to get that friction heat. And I think over time, my brain subconsciously got into the mode of like, it's game time, focus, time to perform. And I would start rubbing my hands together to keep them dry and warm oh, wow. so they're ready to perform. And now, I mean, I can be watching a, 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 a game of any kind of sport where it's, you know, it's tense and I'll catch myself, I'll catch yeah, myself cool. rubbing my hands well, you know, together. You, you bought in faster and quicker than anybody. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were all about it. Yeah. And, uh, I, and, and it, it was stuff like that, little fires like that where every one of you just kind of. I can't let Mark out drum me. Yeah. So well, I want to say this about the confidence and arrogance thing. And I want to kind of talk and dive into that about how to find the balance and all that. But I want to say that about you, Kevin, how, you know, I mentioned a father figure uh, Mm -hmm. to us guys. And I think a lot of guys in their early twenties, mid late twenties, whatever, don't learn these lessons till later. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of those lessons, it's like, okay, we can be confident, do what we need to do, but not try to overshadow everybody else. And I think that's something that I learned young, uh, and primarily because of you, that's a big deal. So I want to ask this, you know, confidence, arrogance, how do you find that? Because I feel like even adults in whatever field they're in, it's, it's hard to find that to maintain that confidence, but not try to overshadow everybody else and be arrogant. How do you find the balance? You have to have a spirit of giving. 
what you have, you, you, you have to learn to give it away. Yeah. Okay. So, so in essence, uh, me as a player, me as a writer, me as a thinker. Okay. I have these abilities. Okay. So when y'all are in the line, y'all can probably out drum me now. My hands are terrible, yeah. but you know, it's uh, like we, we, you know, and I was always drum with y'all and you know, we would play these things and I would try to out chop you and then try to, I was trying to pull things out of you so you could be better individually. Well, I wasn't doing that to prove anything that I was better than you. Then what does that do to you? Right. I'm pulling you, I'm pulling you closer to me. Okay. So essentially what I'm doing is everything that I have learned and studied, I'm giving it now. It's a form of giving. Okay. The stuff that you have, the talents that you have, you have to learn how to give it away. You ain't going to have it when you're in the grave, son. What? And that, and to me, my spiritual life, the way that I live my life is that's what, that's what you have to do. Well, that's the legacy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me talk on that a little bit. Cause I, I specifically remember one day, uh, and I know it's probably, probably said more than, than one or two. And I don't even remember what year or when it was, but mm-hmm. I use it to this day and I've said it, I had to cover somebody's classroom cause I see kids and to, to kind of blend all this together. Like I see kids as part of my job. I promise you, just I see sixth grade all the way to eighth grade. Sixth grade is terrified of eighth grade. Yeah. Ninth grade oh, yeah. is terrified of twelfth grade. So when mm-hmm. you're talking about tone it down, like right. those eighth, ninth graders that are coming in don't know what to think about you or you or even you. So, you know, I remember one day that you posed a question or somebody had posed a question because people were just trying to be difficult and goofy and whatever. And it's like, what is the meaning of life? Right. Mm. You answered the question. I don't know if you remember what you said, but, but you said it's to get really, really good at something. Okay, share it with others so that when you are gone, you live through those things. Yes. And that's exactly what, what you're kind of, and, and, you know, part of teaching, we always hate this. It's like your plan period, like somebody's sick, you got to go cover. I don't have a lesson plan for that. So I have walked in like, all right, everybody, that, this happened this year. Everybody got a sheet of paper. Okay, pop quiz. What is the meaning of life? Okay, because I don't have anything else to say. And that's mm-hmm. the answer that I used. And I mm-hmm. feel like Kevin is a leader. You correct me if I'm wrong, because you use different terminology than I do, but looking at it as trying to lead young adults in the classroom, you know when to be dad, you know when to be big brother, you know, and you blend those lines because I see teachers that are great teachers, okay? They don't have relationships built with the kids. Kids don't like them. They might mm-hmm. do the work. They might have an A. They hate that hour, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can blend that into, okay, he's good at what he does. He also cares. He knows when to give, whether it's a pat on the back, tough love. Everybody's different, right? You you learn that emotional child or that being, and you learn how to speak to them uh, in a way that is motivating, uh, where they start to see those, and you, you're starting to reciprocate that that cycle. I think yeah. um, it it is the the true meaning of what love is uh, in, in our Western society. One thing that I have I have noticed is that. People throw around the word love all the time. Yeah. Okay. It's true. You know, I love this. Or I love this person. And it's just, it's become homogenous and everybody thinks it means the same thing. Or even if they don't, they don't, they don't take enough time to sit around and think about it. But love has many different aspects. When you look at love in the Bible, that Greek word has three meanings and it mm-hmm. covers different things. So if you truly love somebody, there's a part of love that is a governing type of love. Okay, so if y'all were in the drum line, y'all were under me, and I made it clear. This was a complete benevolent dictatorship. 
I'm in control of this. Much like a classroom. Yes. 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 I'm in control of this. But there never was a time that y'all felt like this is out of control. I don't don't know what's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why is that? Because you knew I'm going to make it okay. Mm -hmm. All right. That was out of love, guys. All of that's out of love. Being a brother, being a brother to you, talking to you about your problem, that's brotherly love. You know, there's different aspects of love, but when, when you talk about stuff like that, people want to throw that out like they really know what it means, but it, it, it comes from thousands of hours of thinking about it, and the, the conclusion I've come to, it, it comes to this. You have to give of yourself. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Everything that you are, you have to, you have to let it go and let it go into somebody else in some way or some form. Regardless if you're successful or not, okay? Mm-hmm. Case in point, uh, Southside this year, okay, my goal was to get them going. They didn't, they didn't win a trophy. They didn't get a best in class, okay? They did last year, but they all said, we are better, much, much better. The product is better. The drum solo is great. We love what we're doing. And I poured myself into it, and they were happy. And I was happy, and mm-hmm. we were good. That's a success, guys. Yeah. That's a success. If y'all Man. never won a trophy, I would have known. Oh, this is the best drum line I've ever had. It doesn't matter what anybody said. Right. Mm-hmm. Look, I can identify with that. So I've had two uh, middle school baseball teams that I've had the pleasure of coaching. Once I was head coach, once I wasn't. One year, we went, played 20 games. I think we were 4-16. and 16. Mm-hmm. This past year, as head coach, we were 12-3. and three. I would argue almost without a doubt that the four and 16 team had a better attitude. They enjoyed mm-hmm. what they did. And man, we had a blast. Yeah. 12 and three was fun. But when we lost those three, everybody had bad attitudes. Mm-hmm. You know, the team that was four and 16, there was a unique brotherhood there. That's like, we don't care about that. Let's go play. Let's yeah. go play ball. Let's be there for each other. Let's let the scoreboard fall where it is. And I think that's like, you're defining success in that way. That four and 16 was a successful year. Teaching Absolutely. kids, you know, how to do that. Now, 12 and 3 was great, too, but there was probably some some more life lessons. You know, if you don't fail, you're not growing something. Mm-hmm. You know, you need those trials and those struggles and things to work on. You win, you tend to kind of go lighter a lot of times. Uh, but, man, I, some of the best memories, I mean, I, last year was great. I had had a, these two different schools, by the way, but um, have great memories of winning, but I don't necessarily have great memories of overcoming adversity because yeah. – we, we just didn't really face a lot of it, you know? So if you're not, if you're not, you need to get comfortable with failing and trying different things and oh, yeah. learning that stuff. But I totally identify with that from yeah. the sports realm of life. And another hey, thing about y'all you know, that, which I didn't have a lot to do with is y'all's chemistry. Chemistry yeah. on any sort of team is essential. Yeah. It, one break in it makes it so tough. And, 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 you know, it's something that I think you, you see, and we probably had the same problem back in our day, but I think, uh, you know, having, Having social media at your fingertips now for these kids that have grown up with it, it's 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 more prevalent with them that main character syndrome, and mm. it's it's me. I'm the main character of this story. Mm. Everyone else is a non-playable character in my story, and that's something that you you can't do that and be part of a sports team. You can't do you really can't do it in the arts either. You know it, that was something that drumline. Yeah, you know we all had our strengths. 
you know, y'all two were, were much better at technical sticking and stuff like that than I was. I liked, I loved learning stick flare and flashes and tosses and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't but matter. you knew how to lock in. Yeah. And it didn't matter, though. That, like, if I can do all this fancy stick flares throws, didn't matter if I was doing it by myself. Because yeah. I'm part of a unit. I'm, I, am, I am a cog in this machine. It's not about me. It's about what we can accomplish together. And that, sh- that should be at the heart of every team, every... You know, like I, my niece is 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 in theater now. She's going to be a, think a theater kid. That's great for her, but it's the same way in theater. You know, if unless it's a one person show, and even then you got people off stage that are handling lighting and curtains and all this other stuff. You know, it, it you've got to be able to put the me aside and mm. put that main character syndrome to the back. This is not about me. It's about what we can do together yeah people that play sports and stuff you can definitely tell um people that have been a part of something like when you talk to them work through things with them how they just understand that you know it's not just about me main character syndrome i've actually never heard of that but i know exactly what you mean by it yeah, yeah, that's great that's yeah that's yeah. good stuff uh, i wrote down the legacy we already kind of talked about that what love is a legacy man uh they still talk about us man you know leaving that legacy the drum mm-hmm. line of 0809 it's time to talk about it i'm excited <laughs> to talk about this one uh yeah had a bunch of good memories man uh kevin briefly talked about it on episode 11 shout out uh about your experience with the 0809 line what was it like for you was it like for the 0809 line yeah what was your experience uh i always say that if you if, if someone came up to me and said kevin you could go back to any point in time in your life where would you go 0809 season would be one of those uh it's one of the few times in my life where i thought I knew from the moment y'all stopped, stepped off the field in 07 and we were going into 08, I thought, I am fixing to create an absolute monster. I can feel it coming. I know what's fixing to happen. Uh, from the moment that we established the show until I got the line set, until we figured out how we were going to buy new drums, it was seamless. Uh, I came in with an intensity and I thought, I'm going to enjoy every moment of this. It, and I wish I wished I could do this with every part of my life, but you know, I I did it I did it that year. Um, well, the parts you don't want to, you appreciate that so much more. Yeah, because of how special. I mean, there's just the little things that I remember. I I left y'all one time. Y'all were in the auditorium, and I always hold my breath. When you tell a story. Well, I know. Like, what are you gonna say? <laughs> well, I, y'all were in the auditorium, and I said I just want y'all going on a drum break, and uh, I, I had to go somewhere and come back. And when I came back, y'all had the it was written in 190 y'all had it up to 210 with with dr beat with feet playing it i remember that and oh, it wow. was it was clean uh just and i was like god what are you doing and then um the 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 dance line tune that year was written at uh 112 and Haskew said we got to go up to 120 i said i did not write this for 120 there's a lot of notes and so i told you guys we got to play it at 120 and i was nervous oh that was that was the jazzy one that year that gave us the big the, all, well, all the I mean, problems. Y'all mm-hmm. killed it. It was actually one of my favorite things y'all played by the end of the year because it was it was so clean. But yeah, once when we were talking beats per minute, uh, speed for music, non music yeah, people. Yeah. Uh, but just just little things like that, just the laughs and every time I'd come in, there was always some story of something somebody <laughs> did or said, and you know, y'all were just always ready to go. I I didn't have to fix any issues, and it was just. 
we just knew what was going to happen. Yeah. But coming around the corner at Mid-South, y'all's already set up, taping sticks, ready to go, and all of that. It was just, it was just a fantastic year. I couldn't have, couldn't have asked for anything better. Yep. Mark, what was 0809 like for you, man? Oh, man. Uh, I think, you, you, Kevin, you hit on this on your episode. Uh, that we started, I remember at the, end, at the end of our junior year, you looked at us kind of that last game, and you said, how good do you want to be? Because if you want to be the best, I can push you, and I can make you the best. Um, and we all kind of looked around and agreed that we were willing to, to, to put that level of effort in. That level of work, and I think we got like a month off. I think we maybe got December off, and then yeah, that's started what I back say. Usually in January. In band, like you start in the summer. Yeah, right? like we, we started in January. We like, might have started in like April, maybe. I thought we started previously. January. Dude, I think we started in December. But yeah. well, December. that 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 yeah. year we did. I was saying previous to that, oh, yeah. I think we'd yeah. start in like April, May. Yeah, usually yeah. We, we, getting ready. I usually started into March, first of April. And uh, and and man, we just came in. And I remember we, when we, we started back over, we stripped it down to the basics. Like, I remember we came back in in December, and we had been playing this whole book our junior year, a whole show, and we think we're going to, I was thinking, we're going to come in, Kevin's going to have all these cool, fun warm-ups we're going to be doing. And, and eventually, we got to that. But, I mean, we came in in December, and we were doing 12s at 200 with Dr. B in your ear. Mm. And... You know, and just trying to burn because you just wanted to prove that we can play at the at the speed that you need us to play at. And we're doing, like I said, we're doing was it eights? We're doing like eights at three inches at two hundred, which is it. I mean, unless you're a drumline person, you're listening to this. That means nothing to you, but it's right. not not easy to do. Or a mathematician, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it's 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 not easy to do, <laughs> and. And, uh, you know, and if, if I tried it now, I'm sure my wrist would lock up, mm-hmm. but, uh, but we came back that next year we worked, I'm like I said, I, I don't know if I've ever worked that hard for almost anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put in those hours and hours and hours to get those new drums. Uh, I was just so ready by the time that season rolled around to get out there and show everybody what, what we were doing what we were capable of um that you know it kind of did i think there were some times it definitely bordered on arrogance but uh but we like i said we had put in that work and we we felt like it was we had earned it mm-hmm. and uh we were just gonna if you it was we were on the train we had set the speed of the train get on board or get run over mm-hmm. that was kind of how it was at that point and uh and man, we, we did it. I think we, we, you know, every competition we won best in show line or at least best in class line. We got swept it. Yeah. Yeah. All ones. I think one place we got like a score to 99. There was mm-hmm. one place, uh, one competition we went to Haskew. Usually for those of you that don't know band competitions, yes, they are a thing. Uh, you, there's a judge and the judge has an audio recorder and they're recording as you're playing the show, giving you tips on, on okay, this happened. You, this your intonation here, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to a competition. Mister Haskey wouldn't even let us listen to the tape afterwards. And I asked him after I was in his office, I was like, "Why can't we listen to the tape?" And he goes, "What's well, just them complimenting you the whole time?" He's like, <laughs> like "You don't need that." Yeah. yeah uh, so, um, which he was, he was right. Uh, but yeah, that was. I mean, like I said, that was a, the the most fun I ever had as part of a unit and I, 
with all, all due respect to every sports team that I was ever a part of, love you guys if you're watching or listening to this, but that was the most limited, uh, most fun I've ever had um, being part of, of something bigger than myself. Yeah, yeah, good good word, man. Let's wrap it up about 0809, man. Yeah, so I, I can be quick on that. I mean, we've talked about that some. I, maybe this is the wrong attitude to have about it, but looking the, the older I get, the more I appreciate it. Um, not that I was angry ever. We all fit together good, but I had that mindset for three years of Jared's coming for a snare. Like, you yeah. ain't getting mine. Mm-hmm. But by 12th grade, everybody fit into place and where they were working for, and it was all celebratory for me. You know, I and I, I have to make an admission here, too. We did start in December, and the only reason I remember mm-hmm. that is because I actually got the flu. Um, and I was probably out for... I was probably down for almost two weeks legitimately. But once I got a little bit better that I probably could have been at practice, I was still kind of burnt out, you know, it's like a little bit early for me. And like, man, we're starting December. Like I wasn't necessarily raring to go. I knew I would get there. I knew that like, Hey, you, I mean, I'm still this way this day. I mean, at home, I'm like, I don't want to do the laundry right now, but like, I know if I can do it in 30 minutes, like I'll probably have the motivation to do it. You know, yeah. like I, you know, the self care and all that, um, which I regret that now because i probably missed it. like if we could go back and have a practice now you know i think we would all be like yeah sign me up you know take me there but um it was all love like you're talking about it was all i, I had no competitive spirit with it outside of or not internally i should say externally it was like let's go handle business yeah but all through for me it was like i'm gonna be better than you i'm gonna be better than you and i'm gonna do things different like like that was my standard for myself, whether I spoke it to anybody or not, because I was often very quiet, uh, especially in high school. But I like, oh, like, you know, somebody says something arguing over and I'm like, I'm just in my mind, I'm like, is that right? Like, you ain't even thinking about me because I'm the one that's going to sneak up and, you know, sure. get you. But at the same time, <laughs> at the at the end, I'm like, the enemy is is external for us. Let's go finish this thing off the right way because this mm-hmm. is the last year and we have to do this. Um, but yeah. Did y'all experience that? It's like every time I walked into a rehearsal or a game or whatever it was, it was like, okay, what is happening today? What What is, you know, I remember when we get, first got the, I got, got y'all the opener and there was some stuff in there. There was this just cold attack, you know, just this triplet roll and y'all had to. Yeah. And I was so worried about y'all hitting that because that's not. That's not easy. Yeah. And y'all struggled with it a little bit. And dude, in two days, next time I came back, y'all popping it. And really that role was, if you think back in the opener, that was the first little bark of the dog, you mm-hmm. know, in that show. Like if you were, if you were going to show up at Mid-South and somebody has never seen Southside before, that role set the tone, you that. know, and it was like that come out clean and it was like, oh, this, this is done. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we're, yeah. we're done. If you're in that class, like, sorry. And, and we know. were, we were to a point at that point, we didn't. I mean, with this, don't mean this the way it's going to sound. We didn't need you to fix that kind of stuff mm-hmm. because we could go off into the auditorium or out in the back or whatever on our own and hit that roll. And we go, not nah, that was me. I, I, you know, I ticked mm-hmm. there and, you know, wh- whatever guys, it was. That's where I wanted y'all to, that's where all of my drum, that's where I want you to get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be I self-sufficient. Want to, I yeah. want to work myself out of a job. Right. So if um, I send y'all, I go, Hey guys, you're high on that. You're high on that. Yeah. You're, you're out. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, I hear it. well, that's what I was saying. You could just write the book, and we were going to get it. I mean, we yep. were that competitive. 
And I want to ask this, you know, the, the competition, you mentioned competitive against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of growth, I think, you know, I didn't make snare until later. Still, still upset about that. I love you, man. I know, that's all good. But you, you, uh, and what, it, it, drums, it was not because you did yeah, not deserve right, it. Right. It's not because exactly. I, exactly. exactly. There was just wasn't enough drums. But I think I would not be where I was without the failure. And I think that's what's so important. Uh, it all kind of made, and that's what made the perfect storm of 0809. We were all competing all those years. Mm-hmm. And then the final, uh, final stage man was set it's like, i don't know do, do you all know who thierry Henry is I soccer heard the player name. soccer player yeah, yeah. He played, played for arsenal played for barcelona but i heard him talk about this recently he was talking about his time at uh i think it, i think it was when he was at arsenal and there was a guy who was, was ahead of him on the, on the depth chart to play striker and and his mentality became yes I, I want to improve us as a team i want to win as a team but his mentality being it was kind of the, the same i think mentality that we all had where Oh, you can do that. Well, I'm going to show you I can do that better than you. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's this this skill or whatever. He said it became it became you're going to wear your jersey. I'm going to wear my jersey better than you. Mm-hmm. You're going to wear your socks. I'm going to wear my socks better than you. Are you going to walk? I'm going to walk better than you. So let me let me tell you what I saw throughout the years from y'all. Each one of you became the best in the line at some point. Mm-hmm. I can see that, yeah. You know, I, I, there was a point where you first learned BD, mm-hmm. and nobody else knew it. That's yep, true. Like, ooh, I remember that. Mark's getting to be the hero, and then Andrew May sat me down and taught me that. And then you know, there came a point where Shout you out. you sat down and 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 woodshed it for a while, and I, I looked and like, oh god, he's cheesing stuff over there. That's mm-hmm. then then that. Just to be honest with you, when you got in that 08 line, there was a time I thought Jared might be the best snare I got. Dang. You know, I, just, I, look, mm-hmm. hey, hand up. I think our senior year all around, you were the best. Well, thank Probably you. Because, just, just because you, you, yeah. you absolutely practiced harder than us because you, you, wanted, you wanted our spot. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, I, I think will. we, not that we were complacent, but you worked so hard. And like, even at that age, I saw it. Mm-hmm. But see, it, it, it kept an ebb and flow all the time. Right. I would give y'all something right. and then it would be like, oh, Wes has got this. Right. I've never thought about that. But, but just, I guess, sharing my knowledge from that and what I just said about, I definitely lost something for the better, I think, to enjoy that year because mm-hmm. I thought competition is over. Like, Jared's chasing after whatever. Well, 12th grade, if he gets me after this year, I'm, I'm out of here, you know? Yeah. Um, and so you coming in and making it for the first time or even the second time, like, you're, you're a lot more hungrier than, the, I mean, not that it was handed to us, but coming in ninth grade, there wasn't really a lot of people in front of us that were going to, and we talked about that some, like yeah. who's going to push, you know, we were in front of you as like a block that that's going to motivate you. We're looking back over the shoulder, but by 12th grade, I'm like, you know, I, this is where I want to be. This is who I want to be here with. Everybody's got their spot that they want, that they desire. It's time to rock and roll, you know? So I, I would tend to agree with that just from a sense of like, you rated do this thing you know mm-hmm. what i mean and I, i'm kind of going out on like you know by, by that this time, is great you know and then by it, that time had dylan not volunteered to go to tenors something was going to have to break yeah, because that's you, true. you, you that's had my point you had there. to be well, on I snare well i bought three yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you 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 had to be on snare there was just no way yeah. yeah yeah hey, yeah. and i'll tell you something that, that that is not mentioned a lot uh oh hayden Howell. yeah oh yeah i want to tell you something he's about that beast. brother you know he he always kind of felt like that he was in the background and he worked with my wife at uh, Academy for a while. Oh yeah. And 
Crystal was talking about him and everything, and I and I used to tell her, I said, look, I never had a problem with Hayden. Anything I ever got, he was probably mm-hmm. one of the more adaptable guys that I ever had. Hayden is what I call in the baseball world the glue guy. Yeah, He's yeah. a utility player. He can do anything you, you know, need I him put to him do. On He's going to hold everything together. I put him you on know. tenors that year. He wanted to play, and I mean, Dylan was a beast. Hunter was an extreme vet. And dude, he stayed with him. He mm-hmm. did. He, he never got behind. But, but no. here's the thing about Hayden is he'd stay right with him, and afterwards he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm not as good. But that pushes you. <laughs> to, yeah. To, yeah. Right. yeah. But see, I mean, the next year he had to transition to snare, which he'd never played. Right. right. Never had a problem. Well, his I mean, notes were mm-hmm. always good. By the, I felt like by the end of that, by the end of our year, that that year in 08, like his confidence was just. See, I got this. That's what was so mm-hmm. extraordinary is that all these personalities and everything that we've been covering, it was such a unique unique thing. Not in just the fact of how you pushed each other, but the camaraderie and the different personalities working together, and it created this great thing. And I. I didn't orchestrate a lot of that unseen stuff. Right. I taught y'all a lot of stuff, but it was y'all working together that made it happen. Mm-hmm. And that's to me what made it so special. You know, man, I'll even go as far to say this, Jared, you didn't see this, but thinking back on just some of the stuff that we're talking about chemistry wise, even though we were as close as we were, do you remember like our schedules? Like our 12th grade English class was like all the snare line. Yep. Like Cody, mm-hmm. Was it me, you, Cody? Me, there was some other band yeah. people. But like, even our schedules during the day allowed us to bounce things off of each other, talk about drumming, so on and so forth, which is something that I'd never even really thought about until this moment. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. if you're trying to build chemistry, you need to be around. Well, we were spending, we were spending you know? all of our time together. I yeah. mean, and, you know, and, and we all, we all had, had lives outside of drumline that we were involved with. You know, I was obviously involved in the church and I was, I was in scouts and doing all that stuff in addition to, to drumline. But, you know, we all made time for drumline, whether, I mean, I remember I was at one point in time, I was I had two after school jobs that I was working. I was working a, a after school program at the elementary school. And I'd go from there, and Wes, you remember doing, you helped me do this. We'd go from there down to the to Little League Baseball field, and we'd run the concessions yeah. at the Little League Baseball field. Yeah. And so there were times in high school where, like, I'd leave the house at 7.15 in the morning to go to school, and I wouldn't get home until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And, and you know, you got it, but we always found time to make time for drumline because it was important to us, and it was important to the people, the other people in our lives. Like we didn't want to let each other down, mm-hmm. you know, as, as competitive as we were with each other to, to push each other, to get to that higher level, it would have killed me. I mean, I remember, you know, coming off the field after a performance angry because I had ticked on this role and I let everybody else down and, and that sort of mentality. We, we had those classes, but even like break time, like we were coming and finding Jerry. Yeah, that's you know true. I mean? Jerry that's wasn't true. in our classes, but like we go down, I think you had computer science or something. We would go down there and hang out and eat yeah. snack, or whatever, and then go back to our class. I mean, it just, Computers, you know, we tried the, to be around. Each you know, other, another thing you know? too, is that the, the success we had, we're talking about how special it was. We've created a utopia here, but it's like <laughs> I said before, that year actually helped me in my thought processes to be even a better instructor in the years to come. You know, when I talked to him in the last podcast, he was the only returning guy on the line mm-hmm. as far as on the same drum. Right. But it helped me to understand, okay, what what did I need to do to push y'all to be the best? Now take that same stuff that I did. What do I need to do to push these guys who've never been right. to be the best? And so 
you know, there, there's a lot of things that feeds into being able to maximize what you're doing. And I always try to teach y'all to take what you're learning here, put it in the world, put it in the world you're fixing to go into and be great at everything and maximize it, you know? And uh, so it, ha- it actually helped me to be better at what I did uh, in the drumline world. You know, that uh, 2012 line I had, I don't remember if y'all saw it, probably the most balanced line I've ever had. Mm. Like from front to back, that I didn't have a weak point at all. Was that Kyle Evan as juniors? That was Kyle, yeah, as juniors. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, Evan, Sally. Um, Tyler? Tyler, yeah. yeah. Those guys, uh, that bass line was really good. Shout out, fellas. Yep. Yeah. Tenor line was fantastic. The snares were just very balanced. Yeah. Very good, very good line, mm. so. Awesome. Yeah, part of the legacy. Well, happy to be a part of that, guys. Uh, people get to relive that. We've talked about it on Wes's and Kevin's episode, but, man, it's always good to talk about it. Thankful for all of you, man. Uh, we're going to switch to men's struggles. So we, mm. we kind of grew up a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm in my 30s, feel old. Arthritis has hit me, man. Uh, what about you're how old, Kevin? Uh, you know nothing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll start with mental health, man. So mental health, there's a crisis, you know, I think in our nation, I think worldwide, but especially in the West. I've dealt with my own mental health struggles myself, um, dealt with a lot of stuff, been through a lot of stuff in my life and overcame. Uh, mental health struggles, anything you guys want to share, uh, anything you've been through or uh, anything we can share to help other people? So I, I struggled with it um, in college, and I think at the time I, I just didn't realize that's what it was. Um, I did two years at Shelton, went over to Alabama. Uh, my first semester at Alabama was the, the fall after uh, the tornado came through Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. And so we were doing some, some uh, volunteer cleanup from that still the next fall. And through a roundabout way, I got run over by a tree. Um, and, and I'll explain later. And tore my ACL, fractured my tibial plateau, uh, and got the poor pitiful me's. And didn't like what I was studying on crutches on this massive college campus. And and uh, just stopped really caring about my studies or anything like that. And I, I mean, at the time, looking back on it, it's clear. It's like, well, yeah, you were, you were depressed. You were direct, kind of directionless. Um, but at the time, when you're in it, you don't really recognize that. And had some things happen where I kind of had to, to rock bottom it, you know, in college. And before I realized like, all right, well, this is real life. This is not a simulation. We've got to, to right the ship and start doing what we're supposed to do. Um, and so I kind of got through that one. Um, and then, you know, post-college get into the professional life. And I think that's when you go in, you know, I don't know if it's if it's because of movies and Hollywood and all that and the priming that you go through when you're younger, what you expect your life to be. Yeah. And you get out into the professional world and it's just not, you know, not, this doesn't this isn't going the way you expect it to or that doesn't go the way you expect it to or whatever it is. And then COVID hits, you know, and, and so you kind of find yourself in a hole again. Um, and, you know, it's 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 tough because we are the first generation where it's kind of okay to talk about that. You know, it's, it's okay to not be okay. You know, our our parents' generation just, you don't, you didn't talk about that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that, that my dad, um, struggled a ton with, 
that you know because he's from that generation where you just you just don't talk about that you you know you you bottle it up and you push it down and you don't deal with it and you feel I've I've always said you know you feel like a fool because you feel like well, I'm an adult and I can't even control my own emotions yeah how am I supposed to control anything else whether mm -hmm. it's you know my finances or or whatever I, I can't control my own emotions. I'm a child and, um, having, having the ability to talk about that and it being okay, to talk about that and say, you know, raise your hand. I'm, I'm, I'm not good. You know, I need to talk. I need, I need something. I need help. Um, is a struggle. I think especially for, for men. Um, and I think it's, it's a beautiful thing that our generation kind of is taking that stance of like, no, it's, it's cool. Mm -hmm. It's okay to take a minute. And, yeah. and, you know, it's been a struggle for me. Like I've had, I, I was of a generation where, you know, it, my parents are generation where if, if you don't have a reason to not be at work, you go to work. Yeah. You don't just take a mental health day. Right. That's not a real thing. Mm -hmm. Now I remember my mom dropping me off at, at elementary school when I was little and looking at me and going, do not call me unless you throw up. Yeah. <laughs> because, because yeah. it's school, it's a school day. And if you're not actually sick, you need to be at school. Right. And that's been a struggle for me where I've had to have, I've had multiple bosses tell me it's okay to take PTO because I'm just accruing and accruing and accruing this PTO because it's, mm. I don't have a reason to take it. We see that from a lot of men that they, they don't take PTO. Right. You know, they got families, everything else, and they just have PTO just stack up and stuff. It's a, that's a real big deal. That's a yeah. big deal. And it, it, I think it's that mentality. Like it's, it's okay to, to take a day. And even, even if you do nothing or maybe you just, Stay at home and, and get some cleaning and laundry done to kind of clear that that space so you can clear your headspace. Or just be silent. Yeah. You it's know, a valuable I think silence thing. is something that's kind of like weird to a lot of people. Uh, that's necessary. It's you a know, super silence valuable is a good thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Going back to what you said about feet, I think that's a huge deal. In mid, late, early, even 20s, early 30s, people get caught in a feeling. They're like, when I achieve this, when I make six figures, mm -hmm. when I get married, when mm -hmm. I get that uh, Ford F-250. When I get all that, I said that in a deep voice on purpose, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but for real, but yeah, they, they get caught in that feeling and then they don't feel that. And they're right. like, this was supposed to be it. Right. And you'll never get that. I think right. it's a con, you know, we're all, uh, you know, Christians, I believe, um, you know, that's what we believe that that is the, the, the ultimate fulfillment and all that and the peace. But, uh, the feeling is a real deal. Wes, you want to share anything, bro? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how, how helpful it will be at the moment because I'm kind of figuring some things out too, but I've been very blessed at least later in life. You know, we talked about this on our episode where, you know, I kind of found what I what I do now later in life than some people make a decision, all that stuff. And, right. and so some of the same stressors and chaos and school or dealing with injuries while school or jobs or whatever, I didn't necessarily get to that until in my thirties really. And so, um, one thing that, that I, and I'll just be, I don't, I don't think anybody in my parents that I've, that I've shared this, but I don't mind that I may need your medical expertise here, but, um, actually in February, and of course I, I mentioned, you know, last year career wise was not a good year for me, just whatever reason, nobody's fault, just going through a lot, working through a lot, doing eBay on the side too, trying to keep up with everything. Uh, I actually kind of developed, uh, 
somewhat of anxiety around time or the concept of time, time management. Um, I'm running out of time. Like even in the middle of the day, I'm like, man, it's, it's going to be dark soon. I got all this stuff I need to get done, which I think is pretty common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that, that everybody sees that as an issue sometimes, but it, but it can be, it's like what you're saying, like you don't recognize it right away. Well, you can kind of obsess over it. And yeah, I, I feel yeah. like you got to keep that in check, especially, you know, I work full time, do this, all that. It's like, you got to do what you can, get done what you need to do, but not mm-hmm. obsess over all the time stuff. Yeah, and I actually, I think it was January, February of this year, um, I actually had paramedics called to my home by my wife. I had a TIA, which is like a stroke-like symptoms. Oh, wow. Uh, muscles locked up. And, of course, I'm trying to talk, but my <laughs> my muscles, my my face and everything won't allow me to do it. I'm like, I'm fine. You know, it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm dealing with you know, my wife, bless her heart, she's like, no, you know, because she's medical as well. Yeah. And it's like, no, you ain't fine. You know, like, we, we, need, we need to call somebody. And, it, of course, it subsided, but it did um, lead me to be like, what's wrong? Like, what's, what's I need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on is too much. I'm either overworking myself. I'm obsessing over something that I, that I need to let go, whatever. Right. Uh, and, of course, I go heart doctor, all that stuff, which is great. I got a great baseline now. They've done all those the tests and heart monitor and all that stuff, the hospital. Um, but essentially it is chalked up to stress, anxiety, yeah. things like that. Um, which now that I know that I, I'm kind of taking a different angle at that uh, and haven't had those issues, thank mm-hmm. Lord, at least since that, that moment. And so I'm coming to understand more and more of that. Um, I don't know what the, the end goal will be for me with that other than just to be healthy. And cause I, cause I do have a daughter on the way and, I started making strides, started going to the gym, started eating a little bit better, uh, mm-hmm. things of that nature to try to get more in physical shape to be able to be in better health. But, um, but I, I don't, I say all that to say, I don't know what, you know, what will be the resolution, but I am trying to, uh, work through some of those things currently. So yeah, but letting go is just huge, man. That's yeah. something, you know, all throughout my twenties, I'm successful. You know, I have my doctorate and all that and I've muscled through it. I've done it. I'm like, I, I'm, I don't care about what I'm feeling. I'm going to do get this done. You know, because I'm working full time doing whatever, but letting go is huge, man. Control what you can control and let the rest go. You know, if you can't get to it, you can't get to it. You yeah. know, that's just part of life. You have to accept that and move on. Um, and I think going back to the generation before us, I was instilled in me by my dad mm-hmm. was military, all that. Right. You do what you need. Feelings were never even communicated. Like, I don't care about what you feel. Yeah. You're going to yeah. get done what needs to be done. And that's it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a big deal that you share. Appreciate you sharing that, dude. Yeah, man. Kevin, any thoughts for me, bro? Well, I think I'm sort of a hybrid. Um, I, I, you know, I come from a generation where you just kind of learn you, you do what you got to do. But I have always been somebody that wanted to talk. Mm-hmm. I've always talked about my feelings and what's going on. I've always enjoyed people talking to me about what's going on and working out those things. And you know, I I, I enjoy being a listener for somebody. Um, and I've always thought that was important. I've never seen it as a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, there's instances now where there's people I know and they, they need to talk about stuff and they just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why. It's a real thing. You're going through something real. You're crying out for somebody to listen to you and have some sort of empathy. That's the way we're designed. Right. That's what that's mm-hmm. what our DNA is. Right. As a man, also our DNA is to take care of what is yours. So that's where you embrace the grind 
And that's when you go in when you don't really feel like it. That's when you go to the gym or that's when you do this or you go take care of your kid. You have to do that. That's the way you're designed. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you've got a spouse or a girlfriend or a brother, whatever, sit down and talk yeah. and be open. Because if you can't be open about who you are, it will kill you. Yeah. It will take you out. And, uh, you know, my wife gets with me all the time. She's, she, she says that uh, the reason I got her was Stockholm Syndrome because uh, <laughs> they were talking about everything that was going on. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, Girl, she, girls uh, love that. Yeah. Girls love that. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, she didn't want to talk. And I, I just, well, what's going on? Well, why this? Well, why that? And, you know, and we just, we talk about everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, is, it is a healthy thing. It should not be taboo. But you can talk about it. You know, you can talk to guys about what's going on, and it, you can do it in a way where it, you're still a male. Yeah. You yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hey, dude, this is what I'm going through. This, this is how I feel. Is there something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. And I, I'm, I'm very lucky. You know, I was, uh, I was part of the Greek system at Alabama when I was in mm-hmm. college, and I've got a, a really tight group of friends from that. Um that you know i always say that introduced me to some of the absolute best and some of the absolute worst human beings i've ever met in my entire life which is true of any large group of people yeah anything that you do uh but you know there's that that group of friends is a group of friends that like i can just right now i can pull out my phone if i was struggling and throw into our group message i'm i'm struggling with this and i there's a very good chance i would have at least one of those guys call me within the next 20 Mm -hmm. minutes what's going on you know what 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 is it and those guys some of them live in Texas, you know, so they, they, they're hours away, but, mm-hmm. but you, to have an outlet there, somebody, especially a peer, man, it, it's just so mm-hmm. different. If you have a peer, um, it helps to have someone like, like Kevin at the mic, uh, mm-hmm. it helps to have someone like Kevin in your life and, uh, you know, someone older than you who is, is like a, a dad, an uncle, a brother, but to have that peer that you can also go to and say, you know, you understand this because we're kind of in the same walk and you know, how do you respond? How do you deal with these things is, is invaluable. You've got to have that support system. I, I use, I, I say that that also is under the umbrella of the terminology of love. Yeah. It's, you, you have to, if you love yourself, if you love your brother beside you, you have to talk, mm-hmm. you have to talk, you have to be open and you have to be honest. Yeah, well, that's the hardest part of the vulnerability, I think, from a lot of people. But since the beginning of time, if we didn't have people around us, community, you don't survive. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past, I would say five years specifically, probably since uh, this, I don't want to say the C word. We might get uh, flagged on the video. We all know what it is, that event in 2020. But uh, yeah, ever, ever since that, especially, it's just isolation, you know, and I don't know if that was by design. There's a lot of uh, myths and stuff about that. But I think the community of men, the community of people is just vital uh, for health and healing and all that. And without that, you kind of sit with yourself. I think there's a time for internal reflection. Sit with yourself, your thoughts and all that. I think you have to. But you have. But I think there's also. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where overthinking comes and all that. But like uh, one of you said, I forgot which one said it. I believe it was you about uh, talk to your brothers, you know, ask them, hey, I'm thinking this is this, you know, reality orientation. Right. Let somebody tell you that ain't that's not really what's going on. Let me let me talk, uh, speak right. life into you, you know, tell you what's going on. Uh, relationships are vital, man. And it, 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 you know, bringing up the, the C word. I, I lived alone through all that, mm-hmm. through, through most of that 24 seven. I me and my dog 
That was it. Yeah. I, I had a lot of conversations with Weimaraner during that year. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, it talk about feeling isolated. I mean, you know, it, I, I remember getting excited because I'm going over to my friend's place to, like, watch TV for two hours. Like, yeah. I'm going to be around other human beings that mm-hmm. I can speak to. And, and when you lose that, you don't understand, like, you don't understand until you lose that, how, how vital that is to your just mental well-being. Well, you're kind of, you've kind of been an extroverted guy. I very much so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah I, that- I, can, I can go anywhere and find somebody to talk to. I can make a connection mm-hmm. over something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was amazing. You know, I actually went to a Christmas party in Birmingham um, with a group of people that I really should not have known anyone I mean, I, I knew some people there, but should not have known anyone there through a Gadsden connection. And ended up just talking. It's like, oh, you know, so-and-so. Yeah, I know so-and-so. from. And, and then we knew, I knew some, they knew someone or had been good friends with someone in college at Auburn that I'd gone to elementary school with. Mm-hmm. So I've got no problem going anywhere. At one point in time, I'm in this next spring, I'm going to try to take a trip to the UK. And uh, now I think my I'm gonna gonna bring my mom along with me because she's never gotten to travel internationally. I think it'll be it'll be a lot of fun for her. That'd be awesome. Um, but at the time, at first, I was just gonna go by myself. And my mom goes, "You're just gonna go to England alone." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll make friends." You know, what, yeah, I, something that has that I did uh, several years ago that has helped me is I made a conscious effort to become what I call a glass half full guy. Mm-hmm. Um, not and, easy. It's not, but the, you can train the brain to think a certain way. You can. And in doing that, something will happen or something, and my old brain would just want to shrivel up, you know, and Kevin, this, everything, everything's terrible, you're not going to wake Woe is me. Yeah. But I got to thinking, okay, what do I have that's wonderful? And then you can just start naming them off. You start taking inventory of what you do have. I have my health. I have my wife. I have my kid. Everybody's healthy. I've got a beautiful home. I've got. We're so blessed. Well, gratitude is huge. Yeah, yeah and, gratitude. And, 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 and when you can do that, and you can make that a practice, it will make things at least at least fifty percent better in the mindset if you practice it over and over. And I think, you know, we talk a little bit about, um, you know, the attitude that people have sometimes about things when they get isolated and, um. If you're around negativity too much, it it will affect you. Oh right? yeah, mm-hmm. um, well, you know that that attitude of gratitude, and I, I uh, you know, it, it's it's difficult, like you said, to to train your brain to try to always see the positive. It just takes time, and it, I I struggle with that. It's a lot working out, dude. Constantly, it's it a is. muscle. That's right. the small Constantly, stuff, small. Yeah. But but you know, I think that that having people to share those life experiences with kind of helps to put it all in perspective. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if I was, I was kind of lucky growing up, my grandfather, uh, this is going to sound weird. I was lucky in the fact that my grandfather was a funeral home director and we were never shielded from death. Mm. You know, life is finite. And it's meant to be shared with other people. And I think it's important that if you have those people in your life that you enjoy sharing those experiences with, they need to know that. Mm-hmm. That's why I tell people all the time, you were talking about love. I, I throw love around all the time. My friends, 
I love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I text, you know, we, our group, my message on, on Facebook Christmas morning, told y'all, Hey, love, all, love, all, love all y'all because you got, you got to tell those people, you know, it, it's, it's finite. My, my grandfather, the one that was a funeral home director, he was not a man that said, I love you mm-hmm. a lot. Well, I think that's a lot Doesn't of the problem. We didn't know it. Sure. But I think that's a lot of the problem now is, is life is not really valued. No. You know, mm-hmm. your time, uh, the time you have with other people, even life in general. I think most people just don't have that perspective where life is really not valued. It's kind of like you're just kind of going through life, uh, you know, not valuing anything. It can really, uh, it can take a toll. We have unbalanced ambition Mm. with everyone. Uh, Everybody's pushing to be something. And it's kind of like you said, they kind of get there and they're like, I'm not fulfilled. Yeah. So it begs the question, what keeps you fulfilled? What keeps you going? What, Mm -hmm. you know, one thing that I've learned is just, Sometimes you just can't take life so serious. You really need to take an inventory of when it's really time to pay attention, when it's time to look at that thing that looks disastrous and go, you know what? That's kind of funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just laugh in general like be- that, beans. You know, just, Are you saying you would laugh if your air conditioner went out, Kevin? Yes. Because I know how you feel about it. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, hey, hey, th- there's been stuff that's happened. Right there. And, I, you know, my wife will tell you this. She'll say, I'll start making jokes about it and being ridiculous. Uh, it's my way of dealing with yeah. the fact that, hey, this is a problem. Small stuff, small. And it's, and and yeah. my dumb butt don't know how to handle it. So mm-hmm. let's make this a comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way I do things. And it's it's not. I have learned to not take myself so serious. I try to instill this into my kids: is that hey, you know what? Most of your problems gonna go away if you don't take yourself so serious. Mm-hmm. You're good. You're fine. Everything's good. Don't don't go out here and try to be a peacock about everything. You just are who you are. Mm-hmm. You have the blessings you have. And you, even if you are good at something and you don't have love behind it, you're still going to be on the field. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's something that Jared always envied about you. I don't know if, if you even realize this or not. Even in, in high school, man, you, you didn't care <laughs> if you were goofy or that's right. no, yeah. no, no, no inhibitions. <laughs> No inhibitions. Jerry's just just happy. Like I, I never saw you get ru- get like really ruffled about anything. Yeah, I always envied that, and I don't think at the time I realized that I envied that about you. But you were just just so you didn't let things bother you, man. You were and you didn't have a problem making yourself look like a fool for a minute, yeah, dude. Let me tell you're you, laughing you, at yourself. It, you, that that's a huge quality that you have that I wish even to this day I had more of that. You yeah. you can't defeat a person with that mindset. That's true. Yes, that is. That is it. Because, you know, all the, especially in the world today, when people calling each other names, whatever, it's like, you don't control my emotional state. Like, it doesn't matter. If somebody's mean, if somebody, if you're ticking, if I tell you you suck or whatever, it's like, it's got to be half true to be relevant, right? It's not going to be offensive if it's not true. Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't have any authority to speak. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, well, something that triggers somebody else, you're just like, oh, whatever. Uh, yeah, because if cares. you can take something you did and that you messed up, and you can look at your brother and go, hey, "Look how bad! Look how bad that sucks!" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I true. do that at work all the time now. Yeah. You know, Kevin, why why is this not this way? And I'll go, "It's because I didn't do it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. That it makes life, you, know, you know perfectionism, man. I think I think it's uh, it's common. People get so upset with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and just can't accept that you're not a perfect person. Like yeah. once you accept that, that's a huge part of growth is just accepting I'm not going to be perfect. Well, yeah. un- understanding who you are is is huge, and it's more difficult than people think. Because for a long time, I thought I was a, I was a cool guy. 
I'm a cool guy. I'm and, and some people are probably watching this aren't going to get this reference, but happy days. I was Fonzie in my head. Nah, I'm Richie Cunningham. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm not cool and that's fine. And I think once I think l- later in college, I kind of realized like I'm I'm not this cool guy that I want to try to project myself to be. Let me just embrace who I am. Around and what age was that? Would you say when you kind of had that realization for me? Uh, gosh, I was probably 22. It okay. was. I, I, it take it took getting humbled. I it was took, 44. It, it took it took getting yeah. humbled. Um, I I I be quite honest. I failed out of Alabama my first go round, and I think a lot of that was was arrogance on my part. I was just cake. I got this. You know, I'm I'm gonna just breeze through this business school. No problem. Nah, wasn't supposed to be in the business school. Found that out later. Once I once I started getting to know my who I actually was. Yeah. Oh well. No, Mark, you're, you're not, you don't need to be in the business school. You need to be over. And once I, once I found out who I was, started, like you were talking about, spending time with myself, kind of getting, and part of it too, like I, I dated a girl at the time who, uh, we, you know, we broke up since. We were together five years. Um, love a girl to death. She's a wonderful person. Uh, her and her family, all wonderful people. But um, I think she helped a lot in helping me kind of really find out who I was. And once I kind of got comfortable with who I was, found where I was supposed to be, everything just clicked. And it went from, man, I hate going to class, man, I'm struggling to make these grades to going to class. is Great. I love going to class. I love sitting there listening to lecture. This is interesting, interesting material that I'm covering and, and test all of a sudden I was, you know, wanted to stay up till two o'clock in the morning studying because I wanted to make a hundred. You know, I didn't want to just make an A. I wanted to make the best grade I could make. But, you know, people put themselves in cages like that. You know, that's sort of a a type of you had yourself in a cage. Right. You had locked yourself up. I got to be then, the cool guy. And then when you came out of it, you said, you know what? This doesn't matter. I don't care about this anymore. The freedom you felt to just be you and, and do what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are thousands of people that you see every day that are walking around in that state mm-hmm. they can't get out of it but say that's why i want to talk to people about it i want to try to pull that out i want to be able to 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 be able to say something where it triggers in the mind you know i don't have to be this way well that self-actualization i think mm-hmm. is the word uh is freeing I mean, like you said just the freedom of that yeah. i think people carry a weight man and i've talked about it on the podcast there's I mean, miserable physicians that don't like their lives, man. They just don't enjoy what they do. And uh, once you have that self-actualization, it's it's a big deal. It's freeing. I will mm-hmm. say this, uh, you know, that the attitude that you're talking about, and Jared just doesn't care. You start teaching 180 kids a day, about 30, 35 at a time, they notice your every move. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And if you don't play it off, they call you on everything. Oh, yeah. You have to. So I have. that's something that I did not have that I had to, was basically forced to learn from my job. Like, you know, something happens that's not supposed to happen. You gotta keep rolling. You gotta keep rolling. Laugh it's, at it. It's, it's Make not, even, fun it's of not it. even not caring. Throw it it's, back on them. It's, yeah, a, it's you not know. even not caring. It's understanding what's worth caring about. Yeah, that's it. That's you know, it. Is, yes. is, is this a hill that's worth dying on? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's really most very of the few time of those. it's not. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. very few of those. If it don't matter five minutes, five hours, five days from now, especially when I'm dealing with middle school drama, well, so and so did this and did this. Are you going to manifest this and let it stay when you go home? Is it? Well, no, I'll be okay. 
So let's 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 put it in check. Let's keep the small stuff small. I let it go. I had, I had, I had a manager age, once. I, I complained about something to her. She goes, "Okay, so you're just gonna die mad about that?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, I think learning or, or, that what, at what a young age do? is huge. Yeah, yeah needs absolutely. to be needs to be practiced more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, gonna switch topics to relationships. I think we're gonna start with uh, women uh, first. Uh, fun fact. Three out of the four people. Have you been married, Mark? No. Okay. Well, well half not, of us, not that I'm aware of it. Half of us have been divorced. Mm-hmm. Kevin and I have both been divorced, so that's fifty percent right there. And oddly enough, the statistics I reviewed this with Kyle, episode eighteen, that's going to come out. Fifty percent of marriages end. We're the fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, marriage is tough now. What are your thoughts on marriage, uh, y'all? You're married. Mm-hmm. You are not. I'm not. You are. Uh, for us, are we scared to be married? What's the overall consensus? Who's starting that one? <laughs> I, I guess uh, the guy who you know has never been married should speak on it first. Uh, <laughs> sure. No. Uh, so I, like I said, I, I dated a girl in college. Um, wonderful person. We dated for five years, and it was became this this kind of odd situation where everybody in both of our lives expected us to get married. And I think. By and large, we expected to get married. We had had those discussions, um, but I think we both knew that at that point in time where we were in our lives, we weren't ready for that. Not that we didn't care about each other to that level. There were just other things going on in our lives that we were establishing ourselves professionally, kind of getting out into the world post-college. And you grow a ton in college, but you grow a ton as soon as you get out of college, too, and you become, oh, yeah. you become a working professional. And it kind of got to the point where um, we were growing in different directions, still cared deeply about each other, but we were growing in different directions. And not that we didn't make each other happy, we just didn't make each other happy in the same way that we once had. And, um, and we were able to actually step away from that relationship. And we, we broke up amicably before it got to a contentious place where... I, I hate you and blah, 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 blah. You know, it, it, even still, if I were to see her out, I would speak and, you know, I wish her nothing but the happy, no, nothing but happiness. I want her to, to find her person that, that gives her everything in life that she could possibly want. Um, that said, like I, me personally, I, I'm, I'm single now and I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't, I don't feel any sort of pressure to ever get married. Because, um, you know, you, you just, it, it's not worth, so, oh yeah, I got married. Well, were you supposed to, you know, did, mm-hmm. did you get married to the person that you were supposed to get? We all make mistakes. Divorces happen. That's fine. Um, but you know, like, like that, I'm so glad that that relationship with that girl, um, I'm not going to drop her name because I don't want to do that to her, but, no. uh, but I'm so glad that that relationship ended before it got to a contentious place where we didn't like each other anymore as people. And, uh, and that makes me so happy that I have that relationship in my past. And it's, it's weird now. Like if I, if I do go on a date with a girl and inevitably, you know, past relationships will get brought up in some way and to go, well, yeah, you know, me and my ex dated for five years and, you know, still, still have love for her love for her in my heart. And I hope that she's very, very happy. And it's, it's kind of weird that that will catch some some girls off guard where they're like, wait a minute, you still love your ex? No, I still have love for my mm-hmm. ex. It's different. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I still care about her as a person and her family, all of them deeply. Sure. But it's no, no reason to be contentious about it, you know? And I, right now I don't have that, you know, former long-term relationship that is contentious and I'm okay with that. And I would, I would rather be single the rest of my life than make them be in a relationship where I don't make that other person as happy as they could possibly be. That's huge, man. And that person doesn't make me as happy as I could possibly be. For sure. For sure. Uh, what I gather for that, uh, Mark single guys, uh, ladies, if you need a good man, he's here. Uh, two, I want to say this, Doctor. Do- okay, somewhere in there. Doctor, better, getting better. Right, Doctor oh, Deloney uh, got all of his links in the description. Uh, watch him a good bit, but he said a quote from someone that says people fall in love on average six times in their lifetime, and if they're lucky, it's with the same person every time. You're always going to evolve, or you're always going to change. We always will. Um, but if we're lucky, it's with the same person. Kevin, I think you want to say a few things. I saw you want to talk a few times. Eh? There is nothing that will cut you open like marriage. You cannot hide anymore when you're married. You either survive who you are or you fail by who you are when you're married. And the other person. Um, I'm a little bit jaded on relationships. Let me say this first. I love my wife. She is awesome. Mm-hmm. And she's funny. She is my best friend. We work together. We live together, we have children together, and it's always something, and it is a lot of fun, and I, I love it. You know, She just sent me a text a few minutes ago, and, you know, just, we love being around each other, and it, it is wonderful. But when you're married, you, th- th- there's things about you that's not going to be hidden anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the ceremony is beautiful. Uh, the vows are wonderful, but then you get married and there's stuff that's going to pop up that you never thought about that she's not going to like and vice versa. And then what are you going to do? You're going to keep hiding. You can keep festering. I don't want her part of that. No, she's in it. She's there. She has to be a part of it. Right. The purpose of marriage, marriage is to become one thoroughly, completely, where you don't know the end from the beginning. That's marriage. That's biblical. That's the way it's supposed to be. And if you can't do that, if one of you is not doing that, you're going to have problems. You're not going away. Marriage is the most wonderful thing you can be part of, or it can be the most stressful thing you can be part of, especially now in our culture. I am a big believer that each person has a role and that those roles need to be clearly defined and they have to be flexible. You have to know how to ebb and flow. That's, that's when it becomes beautiful, is that you don't know what one is going to do from the other, but you know exactly what the other one's going to do from the other. No, I think that's communicating what you need. I think a lot of people expect things, like you said, clearly defining the roles. Mm-hmm. People have you know mixed views on that, but I think it boils down to, have you told your significant other what you need? Like, when I come home, I like this home to feel this way. I feel safe this way. Uh, not a lot of people do that, and I think they get frustrated with a lot of things. Have you even spoken, you know, about the roles we want each other to have and how mm-hmm. you can be most happy and all that? And this goes into to bend being able to talk about it. Right, mm-hmm. that That's is right. extremely important. That's I cannot, right. I cannot emphasize this enough. Is that as men, you know, 
like I said, I never really had a problem with it, but men don't like to talk about stuff. Well, I do. Mm-hmm. Right. I like talking about, but on that, on that, not only talking about stuff, but executing and doing right. You, you serve one another. And how many servants hearts do we have out there now? Right. Ladies and gentlemen, not a lot. Yeah. In that vein, you know, very few, very rarely is any relationship, whether it's, whether it's romantic or just a friendship, is it a 50, 50 give and take? It's, it's, it's almost always someone is having to give more because they need to, or because they can. Right, it's never 50, 50. And it's not really designed to be that way. No, There's sometimes so where it's sometimes, 90, 10. I mean, say, so, sometimes you only mm-hmm. have 10% of yourself yeah. to give right it's then. It's gotta be hundred, hundred. Well, yeah. Yeah. You gotta pick up the slack when it's not there too. That's mm-hmm. right. That's that. right. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, I, I have this thing about people getting married, and and it's great, and I and and I celebrate people who get married, but I want to pull them to the side and go. Now the fun begins. That's right. You know, now the fun, and it's even different if you live with them. Mm-hmm. Marriage, I mean, there's something about marriage that's there. It's real. It, it makes we'll, it we'll too say real. that. You know, a lot of people say that a lot of people live with people before marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's say- a good idea. That's well. There's li- mixed li- reviews living, on that. Uh, to me, to me, it's a good idea because living with someone is just different. Being oh co- yeah. Cohabitating with anyone. It is. It is. But some people would say that. Like I've talked to people that well, when you're married, if you already live together, what's different? So to you, explain that. What's what's some big differences there? There is something about in the marriage where you can't hide anymore. Yeah. There's just something about it. I'm not talking about the certificate. It's just it gets it just gets too real. Why you look at me when you say that? <laughs> for those that don't Billy, know, it's too real. Look, look, for those that don't know, it, Kevin, yeah. it, you know, we may consider him a prophet sometimes, but he's not saying anything that he didn't do because he's in my wedding. So mm-hmm. everything that he's saying, he he's he's practicing what he's preaching. Yeah. Uh, as far as my, you know, I, not that I'm 100 percent qualified to speak on. I've been married 13 months, but I will say, um, you know, as far as what Mark is saying. I was to that point, you know, it's, and I, I mentioned this with you last time. It's like, if my wife didn't exist, I'd still be fine by myself okay? because I hadn't found her. So it's not like I'm looking for someone. Okay. It just happens to be that one person that I make that decision with. Um, I've always went into it. Like if we're, if we're doing that, I'm 100% in, there's going to be days where I don't feel like helping you do something but i'm gonna do it because that's the commitment that i've made there you go there are days where um i have a bad day she picks the slack up Mm -hmm. she comes in has a bad day i'm looking to pick the slack up you know what i mean and the further we go that that gets tested sure um but at the same time you again goes right back to you talking about bad days or whatever like how you handle that is gonna tell where this goes um, and what you're mentioning happens all the time, by the way, when you're like, there's times and, and not that, that me and my wife fight at all. We, we've very rarely had words where we've threw steam at each other and walked away. I mean, it's usually a conversation like, well, why do you feel this way when you feel that way? Because screaming ain't going to do anything, right? You want to raise your voice, whatever. That's, that's the wrong call. You need to sit there. You need to talk through things. How are you feeling? How am I feeling? How can we work together to get to this resolution? That's the way I've always seen it. Like, if you got to, if you have to scream to get your point across, mm-hmm. it's already lost. But there yeah, has been know. times in those 13 months and before that um, where she gets upset or I get upset because she didn't do what I thought she should have done. Well, did I ever communicate? that that's expectations or there's been times where she's like well 
why didn't you do this or I need you to do this? It's like, well, did you ever ask me to do that? Because I, I'm not a mind reader, you know, Uh, and sometimes you are able to feel and react to what people's feelings are. Let me, let me piggyback off that. But see that that's a design of women. Mm -hmm. They want the guy to know. Yes. To feel secure. Yes. Guys don't do that. Yeah. Okay? Oh, but when when that's you do it right, when you do it right, things are great. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah. That's a learning that you have to that you yeah. have to get yeah, into for sure. Mm-hmm. There's little things like that mm-hmm. in a marriage, especially with a woman. Woman is different. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, man is different from woman. But but the beautiful part is when you do those things that do pull you together mm-hmm. and you become inseparable. There's nothing that can stop. There, there's it. nothing better than that. Yeah. That's nothing that's what you do it. it for. And and just like Mark, there there's a lot of maturity in what Mark is saying because. How could you, if he fights a losing battle and he knows like, this is not right for me, not only is he burning his own time, he's, he's not taking into account the emotions and the feelings of another person or another woman. So to be able mature enough to be like, Hey, what if we go down this path and I keep forcing it? We have kids, we start a family and then it's just not for us. You know, we have, we've impacted others. We've impacted each other. We've impacted families. So to be able to say like, Hey, we're still cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a better person because I know you and I've went through things with you and, and we've become better people, but it's just, it, we're, we're just incompatible. I'd, I'd rather be fine. I'd rather be fine on my own than with someone and making me, them or both of us miserable. Bingo. But you also have to think of it in terms of like, I, I need my wife's perspective. When something comes up, especially with the kids, especially, I need my wife. What do you think? I mean, I asked her something like that this morning. What do you think about this? Because as much as I've sit around and thought and theorized and written stuff down, I got blind spots. Hmm. She can fill them. And to me, that's the woman's, you know, um, that's their strength. Yeah. Is that vision like that uh, to see your blind spots. That's right. They see here. We're looking here. Right. Good point. They're seeing here. Yep. So when, when you put that together, and when you have kids, man, it's gonna be mm-hmm. it's gonna be a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. If you're if if you're on a lot with your yeah. wife and you got kids, man, you can stomach some kids. It's it's fun. You know? <laughs> but but you're raising kids. You're 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 uh, if you're doing things correctly, the kids see things correctly. They see how you communicate. They see the privacy that you have. They know boundaries. Yes, it, it's the beautiful part of of marriage that is rarely talked about that I have sat around and studied and looked at. And it's something really that needs to be cherished and understood, but you can't understand it unless you get on the other side of them vowels. You know, like kind of liken it to sports a little bit. How, how are you, if you're a team, right? How are you making each other better? You know, if, if you got a, a basketball team, in the NBA, and they bring in a new point guard, well, they're not going to bring in that new point guard if they don't think that that point guard can make them better. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're a team, and in a marriage, I've, I've never been in a marriage, but it feels like you should be a team, what are you doing to make each other better? It doesn't have to be all the time. Mm-hmm. But are you, are you pouring yourself into that person, and are they pouring themselves into you, and is that improving both of you? Right. Mm-hmm. Man, let me, let me go in on that for a second. You, you'll understand this. I don't know if I mentioned this here, because we got two wrestling fans in here. Some in, in the past, you know, Dusty Rhodes, all that stuff. But I will say this. There's a term in wrestling. It's called putting someone over, okay? A lot of people in the business say that 
yeah, you could be the Undertaker, or you can be whoever, WWE. I'm not a big fan of them, but whatever. Um, it's who you allow to pin you because you're going to make stars, right? You're already the star of your life, your show, whatever. You can elevate the people around you. And so any chance that I, and, I, and I've, I've done this, and I, and I can give you an example, actually. So we just had Christmas, right? I went and all my sister's kids, I bought their gifts, right? Because I, I know them more than my wife knows them. But when they open them and they're so excited, I'm like, like, yeah, your Aunt Beth picked that one out. You know, and she's like, but to them, you know, I, I'm putting her over to engage her into that relationship or that. So anything that I do, if there's a chance to put my wife over in that circumstance, to elevate her as she elevates me in return, it goes back to the giving, right? You're trying to give 100%, 110%. She's giving it back. So and I use that with anything, you know, I, I try to use different metaphors and things like that in teaching because a lot of my kids watch wrestling. You know what I mean? Like they, well, they know what WWE is. So when I start explaining like, well, you know, you put somebody over, you're making them better. You're making them look like a star. You're building them up. You have to build each other up. You have to have that uh, relationship to, to feel like your needs are being met. Right. So uh, I totally agree with that. Yeah, for I, sure. think, I think too, there's, a lot of, especially it happens more, I think, here in the South, um, where, and, and you'll probably both understand this, Kevin, you probably will too, you, you go to weddings in the South, and boy, if you don't have a ring on your finger, at some point, some older lady is going to come up to you, when are we going to get you married? Mm-hmm. When are we going to get you married? Well, maybe never, and that's mm-hmm. okay with me. Right. You know, oh, somebody's it. worth it. Yeah, right, right. And, and 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 you know, from the mouths of babes, I remember my niece. She's eight now. When she was three, four, uh, my my sister and brother in law and mother had come down to Birmingham. We all gone out to lunch. We're walking out across the parking lot after lunch. I've got her by the hand, taking her out, go put her in her car seat. And uh, this was shortly after me and my ex had broken up. Maddie goes, Uncle Mark, when are you gonna get married? And I go, Well, you know. Uh, I don't, I'm not, not dating anybody right now, so I don't think it's going to be any time real soon. And she just goes, that's okay. You don't have to rush it. Thanks, four-year-old. Wisdom I, of I, child, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate wow. it. Yeah. But, but, but it's so true. You don't have to rush it. And I think there's this expectation, especially, like I said, here in the South, well, you know, you go to, you go to high school, and then you either go into your career, you go to college, and then once you get that established, well, then you get married. And then you start having kids. Mm -hmm. And so people our age, you get into your thirties and you go looking at your, at your watch and looking at the calendar. I'm I'm 33 and I'm not engaged and I don't have children and I'm just not doing life right. Well, no, I'm doing life the way that I'm doing. I'm not doing it right by their standards, but they're not me and they're not living my life. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And, and this, Mm -hmm. but I think that's, you get a lot of people to get married because, well, well, that's what I'm supposed to do now. Because well, I've, I've, I'm, and they're I'm, not ready, right? They're they're just simply not ready. Yeah, uh, you, you, young people today, the, I I have this check in me when I see youngins getting married. I'm like, what you gonna do? And she starts wanting, mm-hmm. you know, you, and she ain't like mama, and she's gonna give you everything that you want. I just those thoughts run through my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we'll talk off camera about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, th- there is a maturity that. Uh, that you've got to have going into a marriage, there's an understanding that you've got to have. And she's got to have it too. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is so vitally important. 
But I think that's developed at different ages for different people. But I think for the majority, just today, the way things are and all that, a lot of people younger, they're not mature enough. Well, you know, here that I wouldn't have been. 30 is the new 20. No, no, no. 40 is the new 30. Yeah. You know, it's it's true. It's just the way that it's happened. 21 or 22-year-old me getting married? No way. No. No way. Oh, 30-year-old me getting married? That don't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But everybody develops differently. You know, it's different. Uh, Just depends on the person, I think. But by and large, uh, for sure, younger people is tough. A lot of people say younger people are more motable. You know, like when you get 30, 40 years old, when you're your tra- like you said, kind of wanting to, they're going to do something you don't like and all that. It's harder to change then, you know, when you're younger and all that. It might depend on the person. I don't know. I, I see a lot of stubborn young people. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I think it's, you know, I, I'm not going to go into detail, but just y'all's generation is different than the generation now. There has to be a want to to grow. Yeah. I think yeah. if you're 50 and you're you're trying to better yourself, you can you're you're. I'm moldable. better at that now than I've ever been. I'm 50 years old, yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. I look at all angles. And, and, I, and I think I think it goes kind of goes back to that main character syndrome a little bit too. Of like, I don't need to know any more about that. I know what I you know, mm-hmm. and 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 social media has made everybody an expert on everything because they can just throw their opinions on everything out into the ether, and people will respond to that whether it's positively or negatively, and it it triggers that. I'm getting attention and triggers mm-hmm. that endorphin switch in your head. And the next thing you know, you know, you're, you're out here. You, you know, better than everybody about everything, about everything, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's human nature and I have to catch myself doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in relationships with this, are soulmates real? Is no. there a thing such as a soulmate so. and why? I think that gets too much into the uh, how important I am. I, I, I'm so important. I know I have a soulmate. I, I just I don't. I've never that. heard you talk like that before. Just, <laughs> I, I, I I'm very passionate about this because I've watched it for so long. Just stuff that's happened to me in my life. I yeah. Um, I I just don't believe in soulmates. I, I believe you have to have a certain. Uh, I believe everybody has to have a certain responsibility and accountability in themselves on how they're going to handle relationships. You know, well, that's interesting. You had that perspective because we've both been divorced before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think soulmates are real either. Yeah. I think the people meant for each other are two individuals that, like we have said, have that mindset. I'm choosing this person and I'm going to grow with this person. Mm-hmm. And that's who is together. I don't think yeah. soulmates is a real thing. Falling in love is just to get the people to meet and, and stay together. After you fall in love, that goes away. That's right. And then the real work happens. That's right. And then you have a responsibility to love. Mm-hmm. You love that person because you choose to because you've made the commitment. And here's, here's the thing. You made that commitment, and it gets hard, and you've got to go through stuff. But take them away and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Take them away for a little bit. Something happens. You're not, you're not with them. Heart bleeds for them. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's love. That's real love, John. That's right. That's right. But we'll keep the camera on us. It's on us for now. Uh, I've said a bunch of times we've both been through it. Uh, somebody that's been through divorce, um, young, old, whatever, how, how would you tell them to, to heal, to get through it? Well, from your experience, uh, what did you experience? You know, I was so busy. I'll explain in my time. I started travel nursing and all that. Um, went through an abandonment type situation. I'm not going to get too deep into that. Kind of explain this in other podcast episodes. But I was so busy at the time, travel nurse and all that, I didn't really have time to heal. 
And then I got another relationship, didn't work out and all that. And I think primarily because I did not heal, uh, what I would say to people is take your time, you know. I probably should have talked to somebody. Yeah. Um, I'm in a good, I'm in a good place. Uh, I stayed busy. I talked a lot, certain people, um, just working through things. But when, when I knew that things were, had gone south, uh, and this is just me, I, I go into, I step up into, all right, what have I got to do? What yep. have I got to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to plan this? You know, and then I deal with the aftermath later. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I do that with anything. Um, well, I think that's smart survival first. Well, you know, make sure you get that's through just, it. That's my chemical makeup. I don't know why I'm that way, but yeah. that's just, you know, if, if somebody, if we had somebody trying to break into the house, kill us all, I'd be the one going, all right, gentlemen, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Here's how we're going to get through this. Yeah. And then yeah. once I'm shot and on the ground, I'll let y'all take care of it. I think having people in your them, corner. Heck of a team. <laughs> yeah. But having people in your corner, I think that's, that's, you've got to have vital. a support group. Yeah. You've got to have, people you can talk to and and i think staying busy where you're not sitting around with your mind because it's like we talked about sometimes your mind if you're a thinker can just put you in circles and make you worse off than it is mm-hmm. sometimes you need to do things that uh that can keep you busy yeah you know? i think too understand that if uh you know you're in a relationship and the woman doesn't choose you that's okay that's if they fine. if they choose you or if they choose to go uh let them go you know doesn't, i don't doesn't mean you'll hurt less yeah, but I think you have to accept. You have to let go. Right. Uh, not accepting that, trying to keep on, you know, obviously fight for a relationship, and I'm not saying that. But understand that what is, is what's for you is going to be there. You know, people that want to be there are going to be there for you. Um, accept what is, and if somebody chooses to not, not be with you, heal and let go. Yeah. Uh, relationships, man, it's tough out there. Uh, money. So I wrote down money. Modern men, man, it's, it's tough out here. People working two, three jobs, side hustles, all that. Yep. Um, myself got through school. Of course, ate Taco Bell many nights during college oh, yeah. on the dollar menu. Uh, now doing a little better. Now like three. But the struggle menu. with money, man. Uh, for young people, how do you get your money up? You look at me like <laughs> you hadn't talked it a bit. You, I gave you, you, you got a you got a side hustle, man. You got a grind. That's uh, we we briefly mentioned this when we talked reselling. Episode fourteen. Shout out. Yeah. Um, Wealthy people have multiple revenue streams. It doesn't matter how much you earn in that one job. You will find a way if you mismanage your money. To, I mean, you, you see pro athletes all the time. They yep. wind up bankrupt when that should never be a reality. And maybe they're not taught at an early age, money management, whatever. Maybe there should be something in place for that. But that that shows you right there that everything on the spectrum of occupations, mm-hmm. you can struggle with that. You can have issue with that. Um. I think, you know, to borrow my, my Gary V stuff, you know what I mean? Um, stop spending money on things to impress people that you don't even know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care. They're going to look at your Mercedes twice at the red light, and then they're on with their life and worried about what they're doing. That's right. You know, you're, you're, you're facing a battle. And not only that, you know, if you stop the useless spending and you find that multiple revenue stream, that account's just growing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I equate it to the eBay thing because that's what I know best. But it's like, if I don't touch that money, like like I list every day, right? I list new, I listed new stuff today. I sold stuff before I came here. I went to the post office, right? But at the same time, 
if I stopped today, the work that I've put in is just going to mount and mount and mount until all that stuff is sold. It's an emergency plan as well. Say something happens and my wife's not able to work or something happens to me or whatever. Well, in theory, that would keep us afloat, pivot, whatever to what we need because there's a, there's a second revenue stream there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say it's comparable to our jobs at all because it's a side business. But at the same time, um, you have to do something to kind of mitigate the risk. If you're putting, everybody says, you know, don't keep all your eggs in one basket. Well, if you have one income, that's one basket. Yeah. So you have to not only diversify certain things, but you have to mitigate risk. If you look at mitigation of risk, well, if this shuts down or, or let's say, you know, something like 2020 happens again where you're not able to do certain things, how are you going to pivot off of that? Because as Kevin's talking about, just figure it out, right? You have to find a way to figure it out. And so that may not be on the money management side, but at the same time, um, the multiple revenue streams, it, no matter how big or small, find a way to earn that you don't have to touch. You know, when, when we... When I get paid monthly because I'm an educator, some jobs get paid monthly. I know a lot of medical professionals do as well. It's like, you know, manage it to the best of your ability, but make sure that that primary revenue stream covers all necessities. Mm -hmm. If you can do that, but then you want to go play around and watch a movie, whatever. If you have a way to fund that, that is not dipping into your needs, it's not touching it. Right. So it's there for a rainy day. It's whatever. So I look at, some of the wealthiest people are going to have multiple ventures that they're pulling revenue from. I think that's the biggest thing. If you can, even if it's small, if you have a way, because it'll, it'll stack up. If you're not reliant on it, if you can just snap and it's gone and you would be okay, that means it's just a benefit to your life as you, as you go through that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing for me that I've figured out with that and why I still to this day do eBay. I mean, I think even if I scale it back, which I'm looking to do, um, it's always going to be there, you know, yeah. and, and it, it pays off debt for me. It pays truck payments. It does whatever it needs to do in that season or in that moment. But I think, you know, moving forward when all that's paid or however much of it I want to be paid, you know, some people say you don't, you don't need to live without, without debt because it's a game that you need to play. But mm-hmm. at the same time, whatever that is, whatever you're comfortable with or your goal, then it's just awesome. Yeah. You I'm not, whatever a, you I'm want. not a big Dave Ramsey person. I think, me uh, either. No. To me, house and car. Mm-hmm. If you need to go in debt for it, you need to. That's it. I mean, for real. If you have to do student loan, whatever, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are anti-debt. Uh, okay, save up three hundred grand for a house. Like, how hard is that going to be? I mean, that might take you thirty years, and then you don't buy a house till whenever. Man, right? I'll tell you this right now. So, just being candid. So, eBay holidays is good. That's you know we talked about that. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest time of year. I pushed and pushed and pushed, and I made probably record sales I ever have. With that comes like, well, I'm not going to go blow that money. I'm going to put it on something. So I, I paid some debt down. Mm-hmm. Credit score dropped. Yeah. When I paid it down. Yeah. So yeah, do with credit that what bureaus, you but, they, you know, they, yeah. they want you yeah. to have debt for sure. Yeah. You, sure. you pay that off. You're going to have some existing issues that, mm-hmm. that, that are going to arise. You don't want all that gone. Yeah. You know, you, you want some open lines of credit, but you don't need to go. I mean, Moderation's key in a lot of things. Yeah, let's balance Play that risk. game with them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah balancing risk. Got to be better as they are. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, your thoughts? Um, I was kind of the opposite during COVID. I was more financially stable than I've ever been. 
Mm-hmm. And I was very good. You know, I, I had just come out of a divorce and uh, I was living in a little apartment and had all my debts paid and I was, I was good. I was kind of an introvert. So I stayed at home and binge watched stuff and did some things around the house, reflected on, you know, I was good. Um, you know, I got remarried. Uh, I've got a house full of kids now. Um, what, to what you're saying, you know, my side income was always drumline stuff, mm-hmm. maybe doing lessons on the side here and there. Uh, I believe that we're kind of in a silent depression yep. in America. Yeah. Uh, I mean, amen to the fact that you don't need a Mercedes. Mm. You don't need a BMW. We don't even even a brand new car right now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to looking at truck prices the other day, and I thought, who can afford th- who are who's buying this stuff? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's contractors are writing it off on a business or something. Yeah, I they got to spend it, or they're going <laughs> to lose know, it. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, if you can, God bless you. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got a good deal on mine though. Well, I, here's I the thing: pay MSRP. No, way. I got four kids. <clears throat> yeah, mm. you know. All right, so right now it it is a different world for me. Um. I'm I'm making as good money as I've ever made, okay? And I've got side stuff, side hustles going. It's still difficult, guys. Yeah. It's still difficult. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I think, and, I, and I'm very blessed. You know, I, I practice what I preach. I, I'm very blessed in everything I have. I have, I have good support. And, uh, but it's so different now than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Inflation, inflation killed us. Because yeah. I've got two six, I've got two seventeen year olds in my house, and one of them eats constantly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he can eat. Yeah, with kids and stuff, it's just different. Uh, yeah. But you're, you know, have a budget, your financial outlook. You need to assess everything, mitigate risk, and all that yeah. for sure. And I don't buy mm-hmm. anything, guys. I mean, for me, but I don't ever want anything. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's funny that you mentioned silent depression because you know, as a social studies teacher, you don't you don't label the Great Depression the Great Depression until it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, you that's a name that you give it. When right. people live through certain things, they don't call it Civil War yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't that's call it. They, it's got these names, but like you don't you don't see those names when you're in it. It's when people mm-hmm. observe it as history and then they like. I've just it. seen things where people are talking about the numbers of what's going on yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. and it, it's, it, it's it'll be called something. At, you yeah. Know. Well, well, everything's spiking. We're in December. This is going to come out late January or early February, something like that. But crypto over the past month. My, I have some crypto investments mm-hmm. and they've three, four X. Um, and it's crazy. You know, usually before there's a, a major depression, everything kind of spikes and then it'll just mm-hmm. fall off the cliff. Um, but I don't know. Maybe we're, we're in such that. a weird time. It's though. weird. You know, it's yeah. like we were sitting here talking about side hustles and, uh, and I understand the value of side hustles and all that. And if you, if you want to, to really grow your wealth and change your position in life, but, but, the, the the crazy part is is that we're now in a position where you need a side hustle to make ends meet. Yeah, you know it, there there was a, there was a period of time and and I'm I'm of the mindset that regardless skilled labor whatever if a person has a forty hour a week job that they put in forty hours a week at plus that person should be able to live in a at least semi dignified manner. They should be able to get to and from work reliably. They should be able to put a roof over their head that isn't a slum. They should be able to put food on the table to feed their children. They should be able to to pay for their kid to play baseball 
or be on Drumline. That was most of or, America or, many years ago. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, like we, we I, it's and it's tough, I think, especially for us when it comes to relating to our parents because our parents, when, I mean, you know, my, my parents are both a little bit older. They're, they're out of that boomer generation. And, and when, yeah. when they came out of college or when they were in college, first off, you could get a summer job and that's going to cover your tuition for the entire next school year and a mm-hmm. lot of your room and board. I've heard that a lot. For, yeah. for a summer yeah. job. These kids are lazy. Get a and, job in summer. Right, right. And, and, and now, now, the summer job, that's that's not going to play two months of your living expenses. Maybe the, the Taco next, Bell. The, yeah, nights, the next uh, year. <laughs> you know, that's that's not going to do it. We're no longer in a place where where you can live a dignified life by just having a 40-hour-a-week job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when, and when they came out of college, you could go to almost any city in America. And if you had a 40-hour-a-week job, and especially if you had a college degree and a 40-hour-a-week job, you were going to be able to live, afford to live in a semi-decent place. And that's just no longer reality. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a shame, and I think that's where that, that disconnect and some of that bitterness comes in between boomers and millennials and Gen X and, and, and all that is that they lived in a different world. You know, think about how much the world has changed just in our lifetime. And then think about how much it has to have changed in their lifetime. You know, yeah. like we mm-hmm. grew up, like now you got the internet, everything's at your fingertips. You all talked about it, Wes, on, on your episode where you were part of that generation where the internet became a thing while we were growing up. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember not having a computer in our house. And then all of a sudden we had a gateway and boy, that gate, I mean, we had like, we, Screen, like you, you that, no longer, that yeah, yeah, you, we, we had all of a sudden, you're telling me I don't need World Book Encyclopedias. I can get encyclopedias on two discs that mm-hmm. I can just put into my computer. You know, we were. I remember Wes. We were we were in the same BTE class, Business Technology Essentials, in for our freshman year. You remember this? I do. I remember you mentioned it to me. And yeah. we we were in Business Technology Essentials. They're going to be teaching us the essentials of business technology that we will experience in our lifetime. And of course, you go over Microsoft Office and all that. But you know what we were saving our work on for the teacher to review? Floppy disks. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah, I remember. That. I did not think about that. It, he he. When we started talking after our podcast came out, he's like, "Do you remember that?" And I was like, "I do now." I was like, "I totally forgot about that." Floppy, but, yeah, I mean, floppy did, did did thumb drives, jump drives exist then? Yeah, but they were like. Eighty dollars for four gigs. Yeah, I mean floppies for us was something else in high school. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but like, it's 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 a disc. And you know, yeah, like you and and you know, I remember talking about technology change. I remember making phone calls from my grandmother's house in Scottsboro, Alabama, on a rotary phone. I did that too. You know, and and it's it's. I think there's there's just so much that's changed from when our parents were young and they, they just, they, it's tough for them to understand, well, that's not the world anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't just, just get a 40 hour a week job on my own. And then, you know, two years later I can buy a house. No problem. That's not, that's yeah, I mean, not, you don't even see many people working full time living alone. It's, no. it's almost, it's very hard to do. No. You can do it, but I, it's, it's tough. I, and, and I've, I've been doing it, but man, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it in Birmingham and, and there's at the end, there's, there's not much to save. Right. Yeah. You know, there's just really not much to save and, and put back for myself or even for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah. I talked with Miller Clayton. He was on episode 13 and he, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're making 
40 60 200k like everybody mm-hmm. is hurting right now it's just it's tough you know it's tough to save it's tough to do anything it's it's tough out there uh cool stuff get your money up modern times state of the nation state of the world got a lot of stuff going on uh you know biblically wars rumors of wars all that and the end times and all that some people think we're nearing the end uh what are y'all's thoughts on the state of the nation kevin i'll give this to you man State of the U.S.? Yeah, state of the nation. I don't know. Uh, I heard somebody the other day talking that said uh, he studied history and civilizations, and he said one common denominator, I don't know if this is true, one of the common denominators of every civilization before it fell was the they, they started uh, uh, melding genders together to where there was nothing clearly defined rome yeah roman empire yeah. and evidently the greeks too mm-hmm. well here we are you know yeah um so that that kind of piqued my interest because there we had this we had this kid at work and he's he just graduated from jacksonville and he's uh he's being all woke and about cisgender this that and all this and i, I said uh i said you know this this wasn't really a thing 10 years ago and he goes it wasn't i said no it, it wasn't as in the forefront as it is now now i'm not i'm not hating on any of that i'm just saying that it it's such a divide with our nation right now and people are choosing sides. Right. And I wanted to make him aware that this is not something that's been going on for 200 years. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all, we didn't deal with this. I I knew people that were of that persuasion years ago. I had friends. But that was the end of it. And now we're drawing lines in the sand. And if you don't get on board, you're going to get canceled or you're hateful or something to that nature. Right. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's that concerns me, I think, more than anything. As far as wars and stuff like that, the, someone's always fighting over there, you know? Mm, at and, least, yeah. You know, and everybody's trying to take some scripture verse and say, here it is. And I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know enough about it, but that's sort of my stance. Mm-hmm. I mean, on, you know, on the politically speaking, the, the, the right to left divide I, I definitely fall more on on the left hand side these days and that was a shift that happened as i got older um and experienced more of the world you know we lived a, a pretty sheltered yes. life here in, in in our little pocket in gadsden and uh started realizing the struggles that other people go through and and things like that and um you know i, I think it's one thing you're talking about canceling and all it, it's one thing to like you said, it just, it was a thing and it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to take that stance of like, you're not, what you're doing is not having any effect on my life. So I'm fine. You know, as opposed to going, I don't agree with what you're doing. Therefore you should not be allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not affecting me, even though it's not hurting me, I'm, I'm, I try to be pretty politically plugged in person. Not that I'm out here arguing about politics or anything like that, but just, I want to be aware of what's going on. I don't want to be a head in the sand type of person. And one thing that I've started to, to really kind of tune into 
in recent years when I'm listening to a politician speak, right? We have this idea of American exceptionalism. America's great. America, all that kind of stuff. But, but what are, are, are we that great? What, you know, patriotism, what is, is patriotism a flag? Is patriotism wearing a back-to-back World War champs tank top on the 4th of July? Mm. Or is patriotism looking at your country and saying, man, this is a great place to live. There's so much opportunity here, but, but this is where we're failing our citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, we can improve this and this, and, you know, we're, we're failing our citizens in this way and that way. And are the politicians that, when they're getting up there on that stage, and they're, they're stumping or they're campaigning, are they talking about how they're going to make your life better? Or are they talking about how they're going to make the people that you disagree with's life worse? Mm-hmm. And if it's the latter, does that improve your life? Does making someone else's life worse or someone else's existence harder improve your life? Mm-hmm. Or does it just make their life worse? And what are, you know, what, what is the role of the government? What is the role of a politician? Should they, should they be trying? Maybe they're the problem. Yeah. Should they be trying to help and make, and make their citizens' lives better? Which is what I think. I think the role of the government is to, you know, provide for the general welfare, right? But I think uh, that changed citizenry. a long time ago. It did. I mean, it yeah, did. Yeah. It's, it's money. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what it is. You got dark money in politics and, and now you have like trickle down economics. We've been waiting since the 80s to trickle down and there's not enough that's trickled down to fill a Brita, to fill a Brita pitcher. Yeah. Two things you know, real quick. I like Ramaswamy. I like him a lot. Uh, I think he's Muslim. I believe I'm a Christian. So I, that, that's not something I don't align with, but I like him a lot. And two, you know, you can disagree with someone, still have compassion for them and love them. You can disagree with somebody and still be cool with them and not agree with everything they do and all that. Uh, but it seems like people have got so extreme. If you don't accept every single thing I do, you don't like me at all. And that's just not, not reality. Yeah, let me. So, you're going to ask these questions to a social studies teacher. So, yeah, I hope we're fixing up. It's all know. by design. All <laughs> right. So, first off, I will say this I had not heard in, you know, eighth grade world history, according to the state, is all the way through 1500. So, I cover Greece, I cover Rome, I cover mm-hmm. all that stuff, Mesopotamia, even. I didn't know that about the, the genders and all that, but I will tell you. Maybe it's this. true, maybe it's not. Like yeah. I, said. I, 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 which, they, if it is, it's not a standard. I've, I've that they made it is. Yeah, but I will it. tell you what is in those standards, which is all of those, Mesopotamia, Greece, Rome, I think there's some others as well. Um, like in Greece's instance, Macedonia takes over, right? Alexander the Great, all that. Macedonia was not the best or the strongest there, but everybody fighting with each other and them saying, I'm out of this. Y'all, y'all fight each other. Well, there's a natural promotion. It's like, it's like college football rankings. Like These two are going to beat each other up, and then this one's sitting here idle on a bye week, right? So everybody starts fighting. You get to, you know, you get Athens and Sparta and Rome and all, all these things that start falling. The number one factor for me is when people cannot get on the same page, when they're supposed to be focused on the, out, the, the existential threats, you know, so the real question is, is, is that happening here? And I, I think it, think it is, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because you've had in the last three to five years, Americans wanting to get upset at Americans. And, and let me just okay. tell you, I, it, look, this is, maybe you won't get any bad comments. Okay. All feedback's good. Listen, feedback. listen. Go I, I, yeah, yeah, right. Well, look, I, this week's been a strange one for sure. So I, I'm of the belief that the silent are going to get run over 
Okay. So mm-hmm. if you don't, if you're sitting, and I, I'm going to use left and right here just because I feel like, and Mark just used the term left. Okay. I would feel like I'm more on the right. Mm-hmm. Right. Y'all may, I don't even have to know which side to, to make this case. Sure. And I'm going to go this far. There's a parent of a student that I'm that, that's listening to this or sees me or a student that clicks on it. This is exactly how I teach it in the classroom because I'm forced legally to call it down the middle. But by doing that, I have really become down the middle because the goal, you, you know, it, a lot of people, and hopefully it's nobody is watching this, you're trying to grow a better man, all that stuff. Mark uses the term left, okay? Some people immediately get defensive, right? Oh, left. What are you talking about? This is Alabama. Right. Okay? Some people say right, and some people on the left think they have three teeth in their head. Yep. Okay? Um, or, the, or they're just hateful. The original intent of left and right, and you've heard the term with the three branches of government being checks and balances, is that no one side gets complete and utter control of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if right-wing extremists, and in which, by the way, let's call it what it is. I mean, it, politically in this climate, it's been from one extreme to the other. Okay, There, there hasn't been the person that's, uh, well, I, I weigh to this side. No, it's been you're either all the way here or you're all the way there. Choose a side. Well, that is not us. the intention of how that works. Mm-hmm. The way that that works is, is if you lean to the right, and you start putting policies in that lean too far to the right, left is there to check that. If left gets control, and this could be Congress, Senate, presidency, local government, it could be anything you want it to be, but if that starts happening, the other side is there to pull the reins back a little bit, and it keeps that situation manageable. In today's climate, that's not happening. Yeah. Somebody comes with a take. I, I'll give you the perfect one. I'm just being candid because I have to admit. Silent can't stay silent. I, li- I like to I like to stir up stuff online sometimes. So this this week, uh, I don't know if you, you're familiar with Tyrus. You know who Tyrus is? Yeah. Okay. So my dad, my the only reason this is coming up, you know, you're in the Tyrus on Fox News. He's yeah, an extra he's a big old guy. He's, oh, he is. I would I would air him more on the extreme side in today's world just because he's on the news a lot and they're mm-hmm. looking. He also knows how to cut a promo for wrestling. So a lot of what he does, the general population doesn't understand. Fox followers that only follow that watch him and just rally over the guy. But but he's using wrestling tactics to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. A lot of the common people get very triggered by that. So apparently this week um, he was told or he was on one of the shows and somebody asked him about pronouns and you can't everybody knows you can't just cut all pronouns from your vocabulary like if i call you he or whatever i say he went to go get a drink like that could be that that is your chosen pronoun it just goes without saying that you are he right and i hate to get this political but it is what it is Mm. so he makes a comment that if his child came home and told him that if he is going to use pronouns that he's going to give them a butt whoop. Somebody else in the media spins the article and says he's willing to assault his children. Yeah. So people immediately berate him. Well, I'm not a child abuser. I don't support child abuse. And so when you use the term assault, legally, tearing somebody's tail up because they misbehave or did not follow what a parent is asking them to do is well within their ability to do, unless they're leaving marks on their child. Mm Mm-hmm. So I went on this post and I just 
it was an it was an informative thing. I didn't lean one side or the other. I do it just like I do in a classroom. I said, "That's not what he means. You have to understand the character, Iris, the person." There were people on there talking about, well, you know, good good luck trying to live life without ever using a pronoun. So they're just going to call him he, she, whatever, and you're just going to beat him. That's child abuse. It's not what he meant. Okay, mm-hmm. he meant if they come home and say, "Well, I want to be addressed as this," he's saying in my household, I don't believe in that. And he has well within right to discipline his child to an extent of the law mm. for that. Well, I got comment. I mean, I bet you the last time I checked, I'd been mentioned like 180 times yeah. on this post. Yeah. And that's not something that I really wanted to happen. But I was labeled, I mean, oh, you should stay away from kids. You just support child abuse. Well, well no, it, it, you're all confused because the media has spun this into a word that is assault. Right. If you leave permanent marks on your child because you whooped them, that's assault. That's that's a legal term. That is, if you get accused of that and they have pictures of that, you will face criminal charges for that. Mm-hmm. If you pop your child, even with an object, on the behind for misbehaving, corporal punishment is legal in all 50 states. They can't see the difference because the media has went straight from, oh, that's it, he's whooping his child to go to assault. So... Every time you see right now somebody say left or right, everybody immediately jumps to the extreme. Oh, well, you're one of those. Right. Yeah. You're one of and, those. And it's meant for you to communicate and find the common ground because that common ground is where you're going to find growth and success. And to, to kind of piggyback off that, we don't want to stay on this too long because this isn't a, a politics podcast. Sure. sure. Uh, but but to me, I wrote down my note here, It's it's there's an element to me that falls back on all this of that that's becoming more and more prevalent in my eyes of dehumanization. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it, it, it's become teams. Like you said, left versus mm-hmm. right. It is us versus them. We're right. They are wrong. We must win. It, it is, it is morally imperative that we win this. And how do we win this? We, we, we win it by defeating them. Who are they? Well, they, they're snakes, they're animals, they're dogs, they're scum, they're viruses. To us, to to the way that we see humanity, the way that we believe humanity should exist, right? And that level of dehumanization, which let's be clear here, it's it is both both ends of the of the mm-hmm. spectrum feel this way Absolutely. about each other right now. Yeah, yeah. and it, it is it is a very very short skip from dehumanizing someone to being abjectly cruel to them. Mm-hmm. And and are are we is what we're doing? If, if are we? putting policies forward are we doing things in society that that make me feel better is is it perform are we just being cruel are we trying that dehumanization like i said it's just so easy once you dehumanize someone once you take away their their personhood to then be cruel to them mm-hmm. uh let me end kevin it. kevin looks like he's oh, gonna yeah, say yeah. I, well my, my question is is just would we be shocked at the how prevalent that is should we be I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you this from, from, from a social studies perspective. The worst thing that I tell kids, and I'm, I'm really understand this. If you're listening, whatever, you send me the hate. I can take it. I've been called worse. It's just <laughs> the, the issue is, is like, to me, the worst thing, like I'm trying to get them to do their own research. I'm trying to get them to have their own voice. I don't have to agree with that voice, but you better justify why you feel what you feel. If you tell me it should be some way and I say why and you go, well, I don't know, well, that's, you're going to fail me. 
you better tell me why you why are you passionate about the way that you think it should be and back it up with something Mm -hmm. and so the worst thing i tell my students this all the time they ask politics the straight ticket vote is ridiculous i don't care if you're right left or whatever because guess what politicians are crooked enough to do now run on the other side of the ballot yeah once they get in they're supposed to have an obligation to back the people who voted them but it's not required Mm -hmm. they can vote any which way they want to so what's going to stop me a right or left or whatever to running on a ticket so that all these people that go in and say well this says republican on top i'm just gonna circle that one well what if i'm a democrat and i'm on the republican ticket you -hmm. just voted for so do your own research vote and 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 move in the direction that fits you right if it helps you if it benefits you i'll be honest through the presidencies we've seen since just since we were in high school i've had both sides help me on different things yeah and if people would slow down enough to look at that instead of just berate one another or dehumanize, I, I think I think we would be better. We've got to figure out mentally how to get back to being able to listen to people and have other people listen. Okay. Uh, let me know. say this. I have, in all the years I've taught, I have taught all kinds of personalities, all kinds of kids. Okay, and here, here's a story for you. Had a, had a girl at Hoax Bluff doing the baseline. You know, never had a moment's trouble. Out of it. Wasn't the most talented. Always had talked to me about something. Just dramatic. Loved her. This was many years ago. I go to the mall, hanging out with some of my buddies, and she sees me. Comes over and she gives me a big hug. Kevin, what are you doing? I'm just hanging out here. Girl standing beside her. She said, this is my girlfriend. She's gay. And I said, okay, how you doing? She said, all right. This girl used to be one of my drummers. She, looked, she said, you don't care, do you? I said, baby, I don't care as long as you're okay. I don't care. I just want you to be okay. And she gave me a big old hug, and she said, I love you. I said, I love you, too. We had, we had one very similar. Uh, I know you were there for this. You may have been. Uh, it was a person, again, we're not going to call out any names here. Um, who was on drum line with us um, and, uh, and was, was older than us mm-hmm. after a practice one night, we're up at the high school and, uh, and we're hanging out in the parking lot afterwards and, and we're just kind of sitting around in the parking lot, just us, probably nine o'clock at night. Finally, this person goes, guys, I, uh, I have something I want to tell y'all. You know, I, I, I've known y'all for a long time now and I feel comfortable enough to tell y'all this, that, uh, I'm I'm gay. And this is in high school. This is 2007, 2008 probably. Yeah. And that's, you know, not a time when you really did that. And and we're all kind of sitting there and it's silent for a few seconds and I go, "Yeah, man, we know." <laughs> just like I I what in a playful way, but, but yeah, that is funny. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like, "Yeah, man, we know. We we, we know it's we're it's fine. It's okay." Like we I was your friend before I knew that when I just kind of assumed it. So that's, that's not going right. to change. And to this day, when I see him, mm-hmm. we'll hug him. Ask sure. Him yeah. he's mm-hmm. It does not matter to me. Yeah. My point in this, it, my point is this. On either side, don't legislate me that I have to do something. Correct. I agree with that. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's where a war begins. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm starting. I'm just saying that is dangerous ground. It needs to be, 
we've got to have an understanding and change of heart of how we deal with people. Yeah. And this goes back to not taking yourself so serious. Mm-hmm. Be kind. Yeah. I, look, we got people at work right now, and we have these inside jokes, and they are extreme leftists. They're, they're liberal. They are liberal. But that, they know I care about them. Mm-hmm. But they know me as the oppressor, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the yeah. one that's making things happen. And but, but you don't have to be, completely agree to love each other, you know. You, know, you don't have exactly. to completely agree on everything. It's, it's not uh, us to judge. No, it, yeah, it, love it's, is the answer, man. You know, it, it really is. So mm-hmm. I want to throw this out too before yeah. we move on, because uh, you and I are big fans of the years. I will still stand by this, and you, maybe this will maybe this will get you some some action here. But um, I still believe that one of the the greatest influential people that got people from all races together to just just not not take it so seriously like what you're talking about. You know where I'm going. I know where you're going. Shout out to Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle in a time where like I don't even like I don't even know how they haven't put the man in jail for the stuff yeah. that he said <laughs> and today. It's like he gets a pass. I don't That's understand. It. Point. But yeah. I'm glad that he does because if you go back and this is for anybody, if you like that kind of thing, it's a little bit vulgar, it is what it is. But if you go on Netflix, you go on whatever, and I'm not talking about his stand-up stuff. If you go watch the show that he eventually decided to quit doing because they wanted him to change it, the audience is from all backgrounds. Sure. They're all laughing. They're enjoying their time together, and no one is upset about and, it. And that's my point at the beginning. I truly believe the vast majority of Americans, that's the way they are. Yeah. You have jerks out there that mm-hmm. want to do things. They want to They want to be mean to people. Mm-hmm. They want to do things to people that they don't understand. I get that. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's forced us into this thing where now, you know, it, if if I don't call you the right thing, we have a problem. Yeah. And it could be a simple mistake. Have you know Jared, have you seen the uh or any anybody have y'all have y'all seen I think this was a beautiful way to handle it, especially with the way people are wanting to stir up stuff. Mm-hmm. Because most people don't care what you call yourself or whatever, but but people like to instigate with other people. Well, you have mm-hmm. to address me as this. You have to do this. You seen the Delta Airlines guy on Christmas? There was a, so there was a gentleman, um, somebody was trying to, you know, he, he called him a he and he said, well, I don't go by that or whatever. And he, he works for Delta. So he's doing his job. He's trying to be professional, but the guy's trying to bait him. You mm-hmm. know I mean? That's essentially what it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he stopped and you could see, if you find the video online, it's worth, it's worth a little watch, but he was like, you know, that was completely unintentional. If you choose to be offended and take it there, I, I can't stop you. And the person just, it's like, it just disarmed them. It's yeah. like, it's completely unintentional. I mean, no disrespect by it. You can call yourself, I mean, like, and the guy was like, he's like, is there anything else I can help you with? And he's like, no, I think that about covers it. Yeah. And they just board playing. And, and literally, that's all you have to do. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, don't, don't fight. Don't, don't, don't engage because that's what they want. You know, yeah. you know, just, uh, Okay, you, you feel know, that. I don't know what they expect. You know? yes. And once they get that different response, it's like, yeah, they're like oh, oh, you don't want to fight me? Okay, yeah. well, no, but, I don't. But, but everybody <laughs> wants to fight. Somebody yes. wants to pull out the rebel flag, and the other one wants to pull out the rainbow flag and charge yes. and see who wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like that. It's not that big of a deal. That's Again, right. it goes back to, are you really taking yourself that serious? Yeah. Good point. On Look. both sides. Love is the answer. I think that's what it all is about, man. I think we're about to wrap it up. About two and a half hours. Oh, I can't buddy. believe we're wow. with this mm-hmm. longest episode on the pod. I knew it would be. I, I know. Thought, yeah, it was. It was set up for that. With two, two yeah, people yeah. Here. So uh, I'll just leave it uh, open. Open mic. Uh, about thirty seconds each. A minute each. Any closing comments from any of you guys? Anything you want to say? 
the money go? Man, I don't know. I, I agree. It's been great. Um, I wish there was more of us here, for sure. Shout yeah. out to those guys that, that were invited that, that for whatever reason, travel and holidays. And I don't think we shouted out Hayden Howell. We talked about him, but dude, you're a beast, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, anybody that we... Get all the name drops in. Yeah, yeah. we look, if we're here talking about an 08, 09 line, there's a lot of people, I think, you know, I go all the way down to... Zach Noah, Justin Hawkins, mm-hmm. Tony, Tony Farmer, Farmer Tony Robbie Farmer. Duncan. I mean, well, you want to talk? You want, you want, you want yeah. to talk about Grant it? Parker? Yeah, Grant I Parker. mean, there's so many guys. Jake and, Stewart. And, and mm-hmm. it, if you see Andrew this, Morris. you want to talk about a heart Andrew of gold? You want to, yeah, you want to talk about a heart of gold human being? Tony Farmer. Yeah, Tony Farmer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still yeah. won the coin toss on him, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I used yes. to be. I used to be. You know, the yeah. Madden legend around here. <laughs> Mark, what you got, man? Uh, no, I just, you know, piggyback off what Wes said, love this. Would love to get, to get everybody together, yeah. uh, again. And obviously knew this would probably run a little bit long. Uh, but man, I'm, you know, so, so proud of what we accomplished as that line. So proud of what we've all accomplished individually since then, especially you, Mr. Mm. Dr. Jared Nelson. I told you, you. told you before, <laughs> earlier before we got in here, yeah, man, I'm yeah. proud of you, man. You, you, you. You have come a long way from that goofy little eight, eighth grade kid that was on drumline yeah. with us, and yeah. to to the to the man that sits here today, and uh, you know could not be happier for everybody. Thank you, Kevin. We're gonna end on you, dude. Just proud of you guys. You know, it's just a pleasure to be here with you. It's you know, y'all are, are all of you are smart, well adapted young men, and become everything that I wanted you to become. Not just y'all, but anybody that that's crossed my path. I, you know, th- this this is what I wanted for everybody is to to be able to uh, to be able to have the, the thought processes like this and uh, uh, get beyond just playing flam drags or paradiddle diddles or floppies or floppies. The floppies comment is because this guy we were playing. It was in college. That was a JSU. Oh, was a, yeah, yeah, JSU guy. Floppies is a rudiment. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, floppies yeah. Is a, rudiment. a hybrid rudiment. <laughs> right, and so we we played it in a section of the of one of the songs, or whatever. And this college guy went floppies. Oh my god, they're playing floppies. That was unheard of for high school kids. Yeah, yeah nobody's playing that. Scene. Right. We love you too, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, love you guys. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I, man, I want to do this anytime you want to do it. If you want to do a Kevin part, it's two, therapeutic, I'll do it. man. Yeah. It really is. It's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. We'll love get a part this. two. Yeah. The episodes don't numbers never end. We'll, yeah. we'll keep Hunter, it Cody, Dylan, Grant. <laughs> You're all in yeah, on we want all y'all. We want yeah. all y'all in here, man. But the honor's mine, guys. So I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for being here. Guys, that is pretty much it. We're going to wrap up the episode. The Better Man, the podcast with Dr. Jared Nelson. We're That's it. We're on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. You're going to get every single one of my notifications sent directly to you. The shorts, the videos, every single one of them. We are on every single audio podcast platform, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast. Give us that five-star rating because we give five-star service. Thanks for watching. Until the next one, peace.